slash and cast. Welcome, fiends, to Handed with Scare, presented by the Slash and Cost Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. And, uh, you know, tonight we are wrapping up our fear of cars uh, with really the most, like, particular selection we could have made for this particular genre. Tonight we're talking Christine. Uh, but as you can tell, we got a full house tonight. We have one of our returning guests. We have... Grindhouse Zombie, Grindhouse, thank you so much for being here with us yet again. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. And um, I know when we first talked about this, um, we talked about it after a recording. And mm-hmm. my first, honestly, my first pick probably would have been Maximum Overdrive, but but somebody in the conversation jumped on that. And then I was like, oh, oh, okay, so I'll go for Christine. But, you know, Christine is, as we talked about it last night, I've read this book I, probably 30 times i've seen the movie probably 50 times um it's a it's an absolutely great story but it's also one of those movies where there's a really weird dichotomy between the movie and the book because to me the movie and the book say two different things um the movie is obviously kind of a thriller it's kind of a, a little bit of a ghost story um whatever else the book i think is more about almost a possession really um and it's it's fun to because i just got done reading the book probably a week ago so it's very fresh in my mind um and then watching the movie again last night it's i i noticed the differences but at the same time i really love both of them Mm -hmm. so for me this is going to be a super fun chat because i'm going to reference a book a lot so if if it gets too heavy just tell me to shut the hell up (laughs) i'm fine with that um but you guys know me. I love Stephen King. I've always loved Stephen King. Um, for me, this is one of his, cause I'm a car guy too. So this is like one of his really great stories, you know, and it's not the first, it's not the, not the first, it was the first, but it was not the last time he also did a story about a possessed car because he also did a story called from a Buick eight. Um, and the story of from a Buick eight is definitely different. The, the, the Buick is like a portal between times. Um, and there's a lot of things that happen. So anyone who's a Stephen King fan, if you have read from a Buick eight, go out and do that. Cause that's an awesome story too. Um, but yeah, let's, let's focus on this absolutely kick-ass 1958 Plymouth fury. <laughs> absolutely. I don't know why, but I assume it's a Chevy. It looks like one of those, what is that Chevy? like the 57 chevy it looks like a bel air it does it does but it's not Uh, (laughs) i always think that that's what it is but interesting sorry go ahead no it's all good um but of course you know like really early on we're actually like starting on the assembly line which of course is in detroit i mean that's where most cars were were made back in the day back in the u.s 
Uh, and, you know, that's when we first see the Plymouth Fury on the line. And, you know, like, I always thought it was interesting because, like, initially I was like, okay, well, how the hell are they actually going to, like, explain why this car is evil? And, you know, I know, like, like let's say, like, the Child's Play remake, they were kind of, like, doing the whole thing where it's like, oh, yeah, he was programmed to be bad by, a, you know, a pissed-off worker, essentially. <laughs> um, but we don't really have that here. Was in in the original Child's Play? Was it? It was possessed it was by possessed. a serial killer. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, they a changed that in uh, the remake. Warlord. Oh, they did. Is that what? You, yeah, they they, they, changed, they changed it in the remake. It wasn't a possession. It was just altered code, essentially. Like like Megan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just a robot. Right. One more one more reason why the Child's Play remake was not a good movie. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, this movie does not give lore on the cars because it's just born evil right on the assembly line. She's just put together at that least way. in the movie, yeah. Well, yeah. If you if you follow the assembly line scene where they're going through it and they have all these white cars and these cream colored cars coming through, mm-hmm. and then they get to what Christine is. Um, Christine is a bright red car with a white top. I mean, it. I mean, if you if you can't get anything out of it then it signifies the devil i mean mm-hmm. come on it's that's what it is but and here's my first going back into the book the original owner he ordered it special that way and had it painted after he bought it so he had it he had it painted red with the white top like like after he well, not after he bought it but as part of his like customization is how you buy a car like in 1957 that's how he did it because mm-hmm. that's because that's what he wanted because he wanted that sort of candy apple or cherry red um car and it, the book does a, such a good job of just capturing that character um this is the one place where i think the movie lets me down is that it doesn't tell me enough about why mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because the original character of, of Roland D. LeBay goes through all of his life. He's an angry son of a bitch. He's always trying to get ahead. He never can, but he scrapes and saves and does all these things just to buy this car. What was and his name? In, in the original, his name is his name is Roland D. LeBay. LeBay? Oh, it's LeBay. Like LeBay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's just yeah, but just the. The whole starting scene and the way the car comes off and then, you know, I think T is going to talk about it. It's like and I think John's right that it doesn't necessarily give you a why, but it gives you a very visual of the the incarnation. And I like that. In the book, it's the guy Roland is the one possessing the car, isn't it? Um, Later it is. Yes. Yeah. That, that That's why the car is evil. What do you mean late? It doesn't start out that way. Well, no, it starts out, it starts out with him. It, it talks about him being in the military and being a mechanic and doing all these things. And just, he, he spends his entire life talking about, and one of the best things in the movie is talking about the shitters, the shitters of, of the world. Oh and, yeah. And it's all the people that, it's all the people that screw with you and, and like just get in your way. Right. And so he, he gets some kind of injury through his military duty and ends up with a military pension. But then he comes back and he's, he's trying to just make his way in the world. And and he does all the things that are expected of him. He marries, he has a child, but this car is like the thing that he's dreamed about forever. And he does finally get it. 
Now, the fact that both his daughter and his wife die in the car somehow doesn't really affect him. I'm, I'm not sure how that worked out. Um, but it's it's one of those things as a as a like a hardcore car guy, like I sort of get like, I mean, if one of my kids died in the car, OK, yeah, I'd sell it, whatever. Um, but but the movie is wouldn't sell it if your wife died in the car is what you're saying. Um, <laughs> my, my first wife. No, my second wife. Yes. Um, it, but no, it's more about the American dream and working hard to do it. But then at the same time, having to go like be constantly up against a wall and constantly be like fighting the powers that be. And that's what the, I think the book is trying to say the movie loses a lot of that, but they still somehow keep it fairly cogent and fairly tight. And you're just like, you know, when they're talking to the, when they're talking to the, who is the brother, the character. And he's like, you know, it, don't be bringing this thing back. Cause I'm selling this shithole and buying me a condo. I mean, it like, that's not the book. That's like, not even a little bit in the book. The, the brother, the brother of this guy is a school teacher who, um, the the two guys in the movie, especially Dennis, keeps going back to and trying to get more of the story to see what's going on. So in the in the book, Roland D. LeBay is is already dead. He's already dead in the book. Um, and in the movie, he's kind of your forefront like door kick open character. Well, yeah. So in this one, it's just evil, um, and it kills the guy on the assembly line. We're uh, thinking by suffocating him. Yeah, I guess it it, it the is able to suck all the air out of the cockpit of the car and uh, and suffocates, right? Yeah, we, and also there's a bright light that comes on inside the car. Oh car yeah, that signifies whenever the supernatural is happening. Yeah, but, it's the it's the dashboard lights. Mm-hmm. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a yeah. for me a little bit of a meat low five, little paradise by the dashboard lights. Um, yeah, but that that really eerie green glow that comes on whenever the car is feeling spunky. Yeah. <laughs> and of course that's usually preceded by like the radio being on. Cause you know, they uh, initially that's like the first scene that they actually saw about the car was like, he was just going in, opening the door to turn the radio off. And that's when, you know, we just see the guy basically falling out of the car and to the floor uh, at that point. So, you know, we, we kind of have like our open and kill, and then at that point, you know, there's a there's a pretty lengthy drought in in that department in this movie. And I'm not saying like that's a bad thing by any means. It's still a fantastic movie, but it is extremely noticeable when you compare it to other genre pieces of that time. Well, yeah, I think I think so, too. And that's but I think that it uses that build up to give you to give you sort of the new guy, mm-hmm. the new guy who's, who's put upon and basically hates the shitters of the world. But like, but it's before he's found something to cling on to, right. Before right. he's found a focal point for his, call it his anger, call it his mistrust, whatever you want to do. And that's why I like, that's why to me, this movie is beautiful because I, for me growing up, I was this kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like, I, I totally got it. And then when I turned 16 years old and my dad, Good, bad, otherwise brought home my first car, and it was a, a 1973 El Camino Supersport. It was older than I was, for Christ's sakes. Nice. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and that was, like for me, what cemented my love of cars. Um, so like I I, in high school who had an El Camino as well. Joe really wants yeah. an El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, they're awesome, you know, so I get it. I get it. But uh, no, definitely. It's so, yeah, they don't give any lore for the haunted car. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of accepted that it is haunted. And it doesn't really explain to the old man owned the car for a long time before the team buys it. Right. But we don't really know any, he never gives any indication that the car is haunted or that he has any The brother, you mean? No, the old man who owned it. Well, we didn't never met him, right? Like, we just, yeah, the, the old guy who owns the car at the. That's the, that's, yep, that's the difference brother. between, between the book and the movie. In the, in the book, it's the brother, you know, try, well, it's, in the movie, it, it is initially the guy, but then the guy dies. In the movie, it's just the guy. And there's no more backstory. There's no more, um, like, filling in the blanks. But it could be, I mean, definitely there is kind of that, like, uh, well, first, to address T's comment, it's <laughs> definitely a 70s movie where it has that 70s pacing where they were not concerned with giving you, like, upfront excitement yeah. or, you know, things. Yeah, earn it. Yeah, they always, even, we were talking before recording about the, the new Evil Dead movie <laughs> and how it gives you gore and stuff right up front. It gives you a little but snack. When you compare it to the original Evil, the first Evil Dead movie, it has a really slow beginning and slow right, pace. Right, build up before things get going. Uh, yeah, we have Bruce Campbell, 30-year-old Bruce Campbell to look at. Mm -hmm. But this movie definitely has that where it's very mellow as we start out. It's like a teen kind of, uh, what would you call it, like a teen drama almost. <laughs> yeah. The kid is, you know, he's like the uncool kid and everybody's mean. He's, yeah, he's getting bullied mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. And kind of, this movie feels, I mean, and rightly so, like a companion to Carrie. Uh, yeah, the, for sure. The movie, yep. because mm -hmm. just the whole teen, the small town teen high school vibe is so similar in these two movies. Except Carrie didn't have, like, you know, a cool best friend who, like, had her back. Mm -hmm. And she didn't, you know, bang the hottest guy in school. <laughs> well, no, but if you if you think about this movie and, and what you just said, Holly, I think about the, the action like getting kicked off right away. I actually think if you watch this movie, I think you're wrong. And I think you're wrong for this reason. In the first three minutes of this movie, we have one guy get his hand smashed in the hood of the car. Oh, that's right. 90 seconds later, we have a dead guy fall out of the, of the driver's <laughs> door of the car. Okay. So we've had one guy get maimed and one guy get killed in the first two minutes of this movie. Now, is it, covered in blood and gore and sparkly lights and all the other shit that people expect now? No, it's not. But I think it's there. And it, it I think that's like the hook for you. It gives you the hook, you know? So things are going to be, things are going to be bad and, and, and overall negative things are going to revolve around this car. And I, I think you're right that it's fairly unexplained and there is no dipping your toe in the, in the pond of what the lore is. I agree with that. Um, at the same time, it's a movie, like from the '80s. So, do you have to? I don't know. Well, I mean, I I would say no. They don't. They definitely don't have. I, I I'm okay with them making the decision to not do it 
for sure. But it is interesting because it's like the movie definitely takes the position that the car is actually haunted. Mm-hmm. It's not like the story where, mm-hmm. you know, is it in the kid's head and really he's just turning into an asshole. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the car is not, you know, possessed or doing anything. But it definitely is possessed. So it's like, it is a little surprising. I mean, I guess since this is a John Carpenter movie. Well, no, even John Carpenter, it's like in the Halloween movie, there's some lore about Michael Myers and things. And I feel like you kind of expect there to be some. I rewatching it, I hadn't watched it again. I hadn't watched it for a while. I was expecting there to be like a scene where the old man like sort of mentions something or you know yes something gets said or mentioned about it yeah but literally nobody ever brings it up it's interesting i uh, i thought this movie was gonna be the first movie you reviewed so i watched it like a month ago (laughs) (laughs) which is why i'm suspiciously quiet today (laughs) i do have stuff to say but it's probably later in the movie (laughs) you know the big parts i remember the bang bang well, yeah, but I think this movie also did did a thing in the early '80s um, that I've often referred to as blue collar horror, mm-hmm. um, and I think this movie does it fantastically. Can you talk this a little is, bit more about that blue collar horror? Uh, well, blue collar horror—it's like where uh, you know, between owning the car, like trying to buy the car and own it, was kind of a dream. And they they show all of these guys that are just working on an assembly line, and it's like, oh, it's five o'clock, the day's over, you know. And that's that's a very blue collar kind of methodology yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, it, it, water drum kind of has that too, right? With like all the the truck yes, drivers. absolutely. And I, and I think that's a big that's a big piece of what Stephen King writes is I think he writes blue collar horror, um, because <laughs> when you go through his stories and, and you know and I've read every single one of his books, it's like. People, I don't want to call them people on the fringes exactly, but people that are in a lower, call it a socioeconomic class, um, generally feel like they're put upon somehow and they're always struggling to get to the next level. Um, And this movie does that. And especially, you know, when they transition away from the factory into Dennis pulling up in the driveway and they do that great, that great music transition where you have that 50s song playing and then you have like the late seventies rendition of that song. Mm. Um, it's for me, it's so wonderful. It's like, it's, it's such a great fast forward in time, but in my mind, it makes sense just because they do it with the music. And that, that always is always going to get me. It's always going to get me when they're just, you know, you have that mm, bop, mm, bop, bop. And then love is real and I fade away. And it's like, Oh God. I mean, it just, it, it, it sped 20 years up like that, and I'm completely fine with it. Um, but then you look at, like, Dennis pulling up in the driveway, and Dennis is the jock, okay? Dennis, ha- or Dennis has the absolute kick-ass car. He's, got a, he's, he's driving a fucking a 68 Charger, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's an <laughs> awesome car. But he's kind of playing it off like it's no big deal. So we're still not to that point where um, getting into, like, say, our modern days where – you know, if I saw a teenage kid driving a, you know, this is supposed to be, I think, probably 82, 83, and he's driving what is effectively a 15-year-old car. Most kids driving a 15-year-old car are not super happy about it. 
but it's a it's, Honda Civic from twenty two thousand. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. So the that goes to back to that. Well, but it goes back to that blue collar thing, and and to tease an earlier point, when they used to make great cars in Detroit, right? And because nobody's lusting after an eighty four Civic, nobody. Okay. <laughs> I don't even but, want to fuck a Tesla. Are you kidding? Cars are so ugly these days. I mean, I can't, well, I can't really say much because I have a coworker that is absolutely obsessed with Saturns. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Saturns. Well, Subaru. Well, but so I'm now a defunct car company. So there's a piece. There's a piece of me as a car guy that gets that. Mm. Like I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't pick Saturn because. Yeah. Eh. And it's a very um, specific model. It's not all Saturns. <laughs> Is it is it is he one of those Saturn View people? <laughs> no, it's not the View. Okay. I'll have to look it up to see okay. what it was. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but I think they do. A, anyway, to 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 get to move us on, they do a great job in this movie. If you follow it, of using like absolutely badass cars, just badass cars, as the focal points of a lot of scenes. Um, and. Between Dennis's Charger, you've got um, Buddy Repperton's Camaro. I mean, and then obviously the 1958 Plymouth Fury, which is the most awesome car ever. And if you wanted to buy one now, I hope you got 200 grand because that's what it's going to cost you. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, this was that era where uh, this the movie came out in like 82 or something like that or 81. But this was that era where because uh, the muscle car. 83. Yeah, 83. Um, yeah, the muscle car era happened <laughs> and then it kind of ended. And then these were, you know, in the early 80s and late 70s is when teens could pick up for you could get that those cars for cheap and then fix them up yes. and work on them and stuff. And so that was kind of the era where everybody right. had exactly right. Exactly right, John. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Because I know I remember, you know, it, I kind of sort of grew up in that era and just like... Did you have one? No, no. I wasn't old enough to drive at that yeah. point. But uh, but I, it was like where I grew up, You always, everyone always had like the muscle car parked in the grass next to the driveway with like the weed growing through it. <laughs> and then they were going to you know, fix up that uh, Mustang... You like know, the weekend, the perpetual weekend project. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, uh, the the eventually car. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get to it eventually. I mean, we we have one in the garage. We have a '66 Mustang. <laughs> wow, nice. 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 Oh, do you? Nice. Well, yeah. I've got a I, I've got a '77 Corvette sitting next to my house that it's needs a heart it's also plane, a candy so. run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we're all people that we're all people that fundamentally get it, mm -hmm. which is honestly <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, but 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 this movie and it's like between the movie and the book, and and I, I I look back on everything that Stephen King writes, and and he's definitely got some themes in his stories, right? Um, but you know, there's a piece of me that I wonder, like if I went back in his history, like. Did he have a badass car at one point, and then he had to sell it because he had a family, or he had to sell it because his latest story wasn't selling or and so I, I often wonder where some of this stuff comes from um but it just makes me love it all that much more mm -hmm. he has said that he has a fear of cars he has a fear of cars mm -hmm. oh wow so i mean really okay i didn't know yeah, that I, I've, he said that in a couple of interviews where he, he talks about uh like christine and stuff like that 
and maximum overdrive. I think he's mentioned it as well. But it is kind of a weird feel. I remember hearing that, you know, back years and years ago where, when I first heard him mention it and thinking, that's a weird fear. That never occurred to me to be afraid of cars in sort of a supernatural way, yeah. which is what he means. He's not, he doesn't mean like he's afraid of specifically being hit by a car, which he was, but uh, he was almost killed being hit by a car. But uh, he... Uh, but he meant he meant it in sort of a supernatural way that he has a fear of cars, which I'm like, I don't I don't see that. I never quite understood that, but you know. See, for me, it would have made a lot more sense, like, if that fear stemmed from, like, making Maximum Overdrive, but that came after this, so it's like, I can't, I can't yep. say, like, it was a bad experience on set that he's like, all right, never again, <laughs> and he's just having, like, flashbacks to it. But, so what, so, okay, so the teen kid who is... He's kind of a nerdy kid, and then he gets Turns the into car. a raging asshole. Yeah, he <laughs> but he's still only, kid. like, 5'6". I w- if I were his dad, I would have beat the shit out. Sorry. I don't want to beat my head too much. Let's throw it back. That's where all of my comments are going to live, and is this fucking bad attitude that his parents put up with. It's when he starts oh, popping his collar. Oh, that's <laughs> When he starts popping his collar. Yeah. Well, but does he, though? Does he? I mean, or or is he just, or is he just a kid who's trying to find his? Because I like for me, this high school high school experience is not all that different from a lot of mine. Okay, uh, but uh, did you step to your dad the way that he does? Because that was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I want to hear from each one of you guys. I, what, John, oh. have you ever threatened your dad with violence because you didn't want to go to bed by ten? <laughs> no, no. See, so you're, he's out. So you're, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> So you're referring to, you're referring to the get your mitts off me motherfucker. Yeah. That's what. And um, which is funny because motherfucker is so accurate in that particular context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so at, at that age, no, because at that point it was just we, we just had the mom in the house. Um, I probably wouldn't have said that <laughs> at all, but I get needing to say it. Um, and I think with this movie even though you have a possessed car and you have a kid that starts falling in with the wrong crowd and he's, you know, he's starting to do these runs for Darnell and doing all these other things like that. There's a piece of me that gets it like wanting to get out on your own and find your own way, even if it isn't necessarily like the best way. Well, that's the part that I don't way. get. That's not the part no. that I don't get. The part that I don't get is that the dad took it. That's just me. I'm just saying, <laughs> this is why I don't have children. <laughs> and if you well, didn't even throw a lamp at them. Well, but but fear is <laughs> fear as a fear as a parent come comes in two distinct things and two distinct things only. The day that your kids do exactly what you don't want them to do, and the day that your kids realize that they don't have to answer your phone calls. That's that's parent fear. That's real parent fear. Um and for this, it's like, yeah, I mean, the kids scared him a little bit like that, but like if my 17-year-old had been like, get your mitts off me, motherfucker. I would have popped. I would have popped him in the chops and been like, "Okay, do yeah, something." See? Okay, I, I would have. I, I completely agree. Um, and his dad's yeah. like a foot taller than him. I'm just saying. Uh, no, I, I, Unless I can't. that car was gonna tear through that fucking living room, that dad would have won. Hey, I mean, yeah, I we've seen cars like fly through houses, so you never That's know. That's true. That could have happened, but I'm just saying it didn't. And yeah, that, yeah, and that was just in Twister. So this is not even. That wasn't even a horror movie. <laughs> 
We were talking about uh, the car. The, yeah, the car does it. The jump. car was so good. <laughs> it jumps through the living room window and smashes. I know. It jumps like four feet. <laughs> Zombie, have you seen the car? Yes, I have. Oh, my God, isn't it so good? Oh, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was my pick, and I shouldn't shove it into Christine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I bet, I bet Christine would like it. So, um, I bet they would make really a... cute little Fiat babies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the car. yeah, totally. Or Fieros. Oh, Fieros? <laughs> oh, that's 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 not good. Yeah, Fieros not a good thing. <laughs> Let's not talk Fieros. That's just a. Mm. Yeah. It's like talking about Saturns. So like, <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't bring up two defunct car companies in the same company. Yeah, and you you know what even makes it even worse though, Grindhouse is the fact that my my coworker has bought like four of the S series. <laughs> it's not just like one. <laughs> You know what? When you find something you I like, mean, you like, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna tell anybody to like, not like what they like. Yeah, it's like I, I know, I know for a fact he bought one of them for like eighty dollars, and is like wow. in storage. What? Yeah, he basically okay, like bought it for parts. If I could buy happiness with a Saturn, I don't a Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> I do whatever. You know, to to each their own. It's not That's for me, nice. but you know, it's that's his thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you if your car is made fun of on the Sopranos, you probably mm. don't want to own it. And, and the Saturn was definitely made fun of on the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so getting back to our actual topic <laughs> at hand, um, and you've got our two our two boys driving to school, um, and you so you've got Dennis and Arnie, Arnie Cunningham, um, and Dennis is making a point of talking about. You know, hey, this summer we need to get you laid. And, and Arnie's like, oh, he's just, he's like, well, I don't know. And he's, and they go through all these, all these different ladies, you know. And um, one of them, and this is always <laughs> funny to me, he talks about Gail Justin. He's like, oh, you mean Gail Justin Case? Um, ah. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't like her mustache. And he's like, what do you care about a little hair in your mouth? <laughs> like, uh, like I, I don't know. Something about that just makes sense from the perspective of you know being a being a teenager, and like I I I love I love Dennis and Arnie. I love it because Dennis is the cool guy, but he doesn't know he's cool. So he's mm-hmm. just he's just like yeah, let's be friends. I I just I think you're cool. So whatever else. Um, yeah, going that's back, a cool thing where it's like. He is the cool. He's the guy that Artie wishes he was. Right. Except that he's actually nice and he's like a cool person. Ooh. Whereas Artie, like, yes. kind of aspires, uh, aspires to be like that. But also, he's so really he's like an good. asshole, kind of in the process. He also yeah. always kind of has a little bit of like sort of a mean streak to him that mm-hmm. Dennis does not. Dennis is obviously a kind person mm-hmm. because he doesn't let like popularity, you know, treat Artie badly. He doesn't stop hanging out with right, Artie exactly, because he's attractive. Yeah. He has a muscle car. Mm-hmm. But, and also, was that kid in something else? He, I feel like he was in, like, not Stand By Me, was it? Or um, Which one, Artie? No, uh, Dennis. Yeah, I can't, I didn't look and I can't remember, but he's definitely in other stuff. They both are. The yeah. Artie guy is in a bunch of other was stuff. Was he? Yeah. Oh, shit. He, he's oh, apparently a big director. Oh, oh John's, no, you're talking about John Stockwell. John Stockwell was in Top Gun. 
Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> that was his thing. Yep. He was the he was the pilot in the first plane that was worried about his kid, his baby, and couldn't land his plane, and Maverick helped him. That's what he was. Oh. Yep. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, movies are awesome. Yeah, but there's also a part of this that, like, I as much as Dennis is an awesome guy, I I don't think he understands that he's trying to push, he's trying to push Arnie to a place that he is not comfortable going. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after we get through like the, the machine shop scene that I call it the machine shop um, when they're out there and fucking buddy Repperton and all of his goons are just the the bullies fucking with him mercilessly. I mean, (laughs) John Travolta on steroids. (laughs) Well, this is the carry part though. And this is where I think you guys are right. Well, this has got a very huge carry vibe because he looks like goddamn John Travolta. He does. I mean, maybe a little taller, a little buffer and probably a little dumber, but he looks like John Travolta. I mean, he really does. Um, But that's kind of one of these, you know, as they're going through this and they get into the scene and they're, you know, they're going through the hallways um, and it, they make it really obvious that Dennis is a jock. He's on the football team. Um, um, but then they start talking about a little bit, not too much, but a little bit about the new girl in school. And then there's that unbelievably awesome blonde Roseanne. Um, and like she wants, she wants Dennis like fat kids want cake, right? I mean, she wants him hard. And he's just kind of like, he's very nonchalant. And that was like one of the first times where I was like, oh, maybe Dennis is a little bit of a prick, <laughs> you know? Because we just, going back to the, we just don't treat people like that, you know? He didn't do we anything just, back to her, right? He just wasn't interested. <sighs> well, really, he wanted the chick like, from Baywatch. Well, he kind of has that vibe where he's <laughs> a bit clueless, ah. I think. And so he doesn't, hmm. like, he do, he can't. It's like he's even he's nice to Artie, but he's even kind of clueless with Artie. Where a little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? Like okay, fair. So he's the nice guy and he's popular, but you kind of hit a wall with him because he can only go so far with his like his sort of intellect and his. Ouch! Or I don't know. But he's kind of a dumb, he's a little bit, they do kind of have him be a little bit of like a dumb guy in the movie, a little bit. Yeah. I didn't get that at all, but okay. I, I never would have guessed that the jock. <laughs> yeah, never would have guessed he would have a dumb jock in a movie, you know. Definitely not a stereotype in, in anything. He's nice, but he, you know, this is so random. And I keep thinking this, but I wasn't even going to bring it up, but now I am. But there, their friendship, those characters remind me, this is such a random connection, but remind me a lot of the two main characters from the movie Chronicle, uh, which is a really good early uh, superhero movie. Josh Trank, who made the horrible Fantastic Four movie, made this movie. You guys are not even reacting. So this, it, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I know what you're talking about. I do but not. You have in in that one. You have the like sort of 
nerdy, unpopular guy who is actually kind of an asshole and a bad person. And mm-hmm. then you have the popular jock guy. He's a little simple. Who's kind of simple and kind of a dumbass. But sweet and nice. And, but he's nice, exactly. And he's like a good person. And so, but it's that kind of, you know, that thing, that an interesting dynamic of like the good person who isn't really all good, who's pot like the popular person who's good but not all good, and the unpopular person who's supposed to be like the underdog that you root for, but who also isn't really like that good either. You know? Shoot, I can't remember the name of the 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 the, the name of that. Um, the, there's a. <laughs> There is um, a term for that, and I can't remember it, but which is basically where the bad guy physically looks unappealing and the good guys physically look appealing. Mm-hmm. I'll think about it later. I'll get back to you guys. But let's, <laughs> let's continue. But I just, like, that dynamic, though, doesn't really, like, you don't really see it a lot in real life. Like, if it was, like, someone on a football team, like, befriending, like, one of the nerds, it would be, like, someone like the kicker. You know, someone who's really like the butt of like the football team, you know, not, or like someone or maybe it's just like someone in marching band, really, um, you, well, know. you know, to to carry on the Chronicle comparison, they that nobody they, gets. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's the same in this movie, but uh-huh. the explanation for why they're friends in that movie is that they grew up together. Yeah. And you know how when you're. Yeah. When you're a kid, you're a kid, you're you have, all the same. The parents and make then you all hang out. You grow up and then you go into different directions. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know if there was that implication in this movie that they, they kind of grew up together. I don't, think. I don't yeah, even no, like it, this kid, and I got to spend hours every day with him. Yeah, what no, it was. It was not in the movie, but in the book, it was definitely there because ah, they both they okay. both also had the same summer job where they worked on a road crew oh. and like patched asphalt and did things like that. Right. So. Yeah. It, it was it was it was more than implied. It was more than implied. Perfect. I, yeah, and in the book they talk a lot about um Arnie's awkwardness. And I think in the movie they do a pretty good job of of describing that, but in the book they go way farther. They talk mm-hmm. about him being scrawny and skinny and a pizza face and all these other things like that. Um like to the point where they discuss like how many Pepsis he has with dinner, because that's gonna add to his acne, right? <laughs> so they they get really they get really hard into it. Um, in this one, no, it's it, it's more of just for me anyway. It's like they sit down and they're obviously friends. And I, there's a piece of me that sort of wants to know why, but there's a piece of me that also doesn't care. It's like like Dennis is obviously looking out for him from the get go, um, and it's sort of like an acknowledgement of like Dennis as the dumb jock, but he also knows that he has some power and he can. He can use it for good or bad, and he's using it for good, at least in this movie. Yeah, he's you never, it. you never like see like any sort of like ill intentions from Dennis. From Dennis, in this case, never, ever, no, yeah. except except for well, I mean, if we're on it, well, this is, goes back more towards the book. Mm-hmm. Dennis wants his girl, mm-hmm. so that's or I mean, the girl that already likes. Hey, watch. Yes, yep, Lee Cabot, Lee Cabot, and and later in the book, Dennis makes all kinds of moves and. Like gets up in that shit if you. Also, it's fucking high school, you know. Everything's kind of fair game in high school. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. No, it's you just go out there and you just get what you can get. No, I get that. Not like it's a thirty-year marriage, you know. (laughs) Well, even though even those can be, even those can be overrated, but you got to do what you got to do. Okay, so from from my measure, where 
we've been talking for an hour and we are 10 minutes into the movie actually about about eight minutes actually um so now we're in the high school and we're in the hallway and they're talking about the new girl and the new girl is lee cabot and this is after this is after dennis has opened arnie's locker for him with the fonz punch he just gives it the fonz (laughs) punch and the locker opens which is awesome i mean kind of a total 70s throwback um but then we kind of we kind of bleed on, and here she comes. Here she comes in her beige shorts and her perfect little check sweater, and she's Those just shorts like, are so ugly. So let's move on. They're terrible. <laughs> they are, but it was 1983. So yeah. I mean, that was hot back then, Holly. Think about that. There was that a was... costume designer that said, "No, yeah, I got this." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is it. And... We're gonna put this beautiful girl. It's a well, long beige shorts. <laughs> well, and and every guy in that hallway had both his tongue and his schwang out as she walked so down the hallway. So, there is literally no attractive difference between the blonde and the brunette. Like, there's no reason why the blonde should have gotten like no eyes on her and the brunette did, except for the fact that she was new. That was it. That's mm-hmm. it. But what yeah. what's new is always better than what's old. <laughs> that's just that's just how it works. And in the stupid male mind. That's what's better. That's the the turning point. So yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, All right, let's move on. So fake shorts. <laughs> what do fake shorts do? <laughs> yeah. So Poppy. Yeah, they, just hangs out. She's just the object of uh, everybody's of desire. desire yeah. Where he's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which you know that's like the classic '80s thing where it's you know, uh, and they don't do now they don't really do it so much anymore. But very '80s where it's just like. The main character is in love with the girl mm-hmm. simply because he saw her and he is now in love with her. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like well, I saw her, she's hot, and now there's I zero must, personality I that we can attribute to this girl as well. Like, oh, <laughs> then she's nice, mostly quiet, so beautiful. Well, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, though, this is a this is a story that goes back to time memoriam, right? The guy that thinks he isn't good enough that tries anyway. I mean, this this goes back forever. I mean, for fucking ever. I mean, it goes back to, honestly, if you want to be honest, it goes back to Psycho, okay? <laughs> and I don't think as as guys, we are always going to, going to try to outshoot our league because it's what we do, okay? And we have no shame and we have no problem putting ourselves on the line to just try to get what to what we think is the next league. Now, is the next league necessarily the best thing? Most of the times, no, it's not. Um, the grass is almost never greener on the other side of the fence. Um, but it's not going to stop us from doing what we do, you know, and I, people don't like it, but it's the truth, you know. Um, I've said before. Uh, well, I mean, okay, yeah, fair enough. But it's like I've said before, it's like I was I was married a long time ago. And I got divorced and I said, I'm never going to get married again because it isn't worth the bullshit. It just, how long was it, it before you got married again? Um, years, four years, five years, uh, six months, uh, <laughs> ten, 10 years. It was 10 years. Wow. It was, it was okay. 10, years. 10 years. You held out um, as long as you could. Well, and, but, but here's the thing though, my mentality changed. And the reality <laughs> is, is that, is that I met a woman who was so awesome. And so was supportive of me being me. But here was the reality. This is what I understood. You melted your frozen heart. Uh, 
Well, partly, partly. But here was the, here's the key thing. Here's the key thing. I didn't need her and she didn't need me. We would both survive without each other. And so that was why the union made sense because neither one of us is, is getting our daily bread off the other. We're doing mm. our own thing, you know? And that's why it was when it happened, even, even today, it's like seven, almost six, almost seven years later. I'm like, Holy shit, I'm married again, but it's a place where I don't feel burdened, you know? And mm. if you get married and you feel burdened, you might want to like check some shit out. Cause it probably isn't worth it. But I, I get up every single day and I play for a team that I love. And I know that my teammates have my back beyond that. It's like, we're going to go out and sometimes we're going to succeed and sometimes we're going to fail, but goddamn, we're going to do it together. And if we fuck up, we're going to laugh about it. If we succeed, Hey, even better. You know, I, it's and that's what Christine is all about. <laughs> I think it, to be honest, Holly, I think it is. I honestly think it is. I think it's about finding something that you love, finding something that you want to put your heart into, but also understanding that at the end of the day, neither one of you makes the other one whole. You're your own whole. And if you, that's how it is. You're your own. Um, so, um, but you Phrasing. know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just like you can get through your own shit by yourself, but if you find somebody who makes it a little bit better, then why the hell not? Because it's not it, to, to, to be a grown up and to get through this world, you have to find a way to succeed on your own. And when you do it and you find somebody that makes succeeding on your own a little less taxing, that's who you marry. You don't marry someone who completes you. That's bullshit. That's just all. That's a bunch of, you know, fuck Tom Cruise and his Jerry Maguire bullshit. It, it's, <coughs> it's bullshit. You have to want to live on your own terms and find somebody who says, you know what? I like your terms. And, and by the way, let's go on vacation. That's it. So I don't know why the fuck we went there, but, <laughs> um, so in the movie, Christine, we are now in the machine shop now. And I don't know if any of you guys ever did like machine shop classes or auto shop classes. Oop. Totally did. Totally did. And this is exactly what it was like. The fucking, the fucking tattooed long hairs that gave you bullshit and just were like, you don't belong here. What are you doing? And it's like, well, 10 like, years from now, <laughs> well, 10 years from now, I'm going to own a home and you're going to be living in a trailer park. So fuck you. Um, but I, like, but this is exactly what it was like. So this, these scenes are so great. They're so great. I did auto shop in high school, but Ooh. our auto shop was the teacher would go into his office and kind of hang out there by himself and then we would uh, play music on the car stereo. We had a, there was like a car in the shop that people could work on. And people would play music on the stereo on the car and hang out and talk. So we didn't really learn much you didn't learn about in our auto shop. It was mostly just a hanging out class. That's pretty cool. Were there any girls in your auto shop? I don't know. I don't That's know. a no. Okay. Maybe there might have been one or two, but I think it was mostly guys, though. Because, I mean, that sounds like a pretty great, yeah. let's just fuck off class and just, like, do whatever we want. It was, definitely. And the teacher so, had to be like that. He, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> but side, that's the side. But no, but there is, so to get back to the movie, though, there is the thing of the, like, sort of uh, obsessive thing where he finds the thing that he's really into 
with Christine in the car. I wish we would have seen a little bit more. Yeah. Sort of obsessive and negative. I wish we would have seen it like happen more though, right? Because I mean, <clears throat> in the movie, I don't know about the book, of course. I'm sure the book really like you know laid it out. But uh, in the movie, it was just, uh, it was like overnight sort of change in his personality mm -hmm. where uh, the people around him couldn't understand what was going on. And he had to infer that it was a sort of like sort of supernatural connection to the car, which is fine. It's not a big deal. But overall, it's like, hey, it would have been kind of nice to see like him go from regular schmo to hyper asshole yeah. a little bit more. And they, they try to kind of do it where... He goes to that party, or not the party, but uh, he goes the, to the, the game, game with the car once. And magically with the girl, it's like, I would have liked to see how he picked her up, too. Mm -hmm. You know? But that's kind of the moment where it's like, uh, he's sort of fixed up the car, and now he's becoming cool because he has this really awesome car that he's that's all perfect and, and looks great, and now he's starting to kind of dress. But I agree, there isn't a big transition where you kind of see that progress of him become cool like start to dress cooler and get more attention and nobody car. seems to think he's cooler other than the new girl that he just picked up and his friend who's seen him yes it's Holly not like everybody's it. like oh my Holly god got it. up with arnie he's so yeah. cool <laughs> yeah no no holly got it and here's the reality in his school and in his ecosystem he was not cooler mm -hmm. okay he was not he was not all of a sudden class president or you know, the the quarterback or whatever else. He was or not like cooler. Or like the girl, the guy that every girl wanted to be with. Correct. Just a fucking yeah. girl that just showed up and doesn't know any better. Mm -hmm. Well, because she's new, though. She's new and she does not she does not yet understand the ecosystem. And because um, he got that car, that's where he got, that's a part of where his balls came from. He just asked her out, you know? Mm -hmm. And because she doesn't know any better and she doesn't understand the ecosystem, she doesn't know that he's at the bottom. She's just like, well, yeah, he asked me out. He's seen and the thing is, like, she could have been okay with that. It doesn't mean that she would have gone for the popular dude. But it would have been nice to see the whole interaction, which we didn't. This is this movie weird. Yeah, for brevity, for brevity, they did definitely reduce that. But I mean, they they also, I mean, they give you enough of her walking through the hallways of school where she's brand new, you know. Um, and then you have Arnie finding the car, and then you we go back, and then you have, you know, Dennis asking her out in the library, and she's like, I already have plans, you know? So it's like she doesn't know. She doesn't know the social structure or the cliques or anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're Arnie, honestly, that's like, that's your best chance. Mm -hmm. So why not capitalize? Mm -hmm. Yeah, who doesn't know his reputation? Yeah, because, like, in a normal, like, ecosystem, like, in the high school mentality, like, the popular kids would basically look at you and just be like, oh, he's, like, trying to put on, essentially, like, trying to be something that he's not at that point. Right. Yeah. It would have to be a slower transformation for it to work mm -hmm. effectively in real life, like, in high school. But we didn't really have a lot of time in the movie, because I feel no, like no. Uh, after... I feel like uh, the movie started moving a lot faster after that. I mean, we have that great scene where... A couple of really great scenes. So we got the great scene where the bad dudes tear his car apart mm -hmm. which was that was i mean am i jumping ahead too much or what or can we talk about that scene that's, that's fine that was a pretty great scene because i kept thinking that they were done and then they kept going <laughs> like i kept thinking that they had trashed his car enough but they hadn't yeah, yeah like they really tore that car apart and i was really surprised about how far they went mm -hmm. 
And uh, and yeah, those those boys were real bad. Those those were some bad boys. Definitely movie bullies. Yeah, they were way like much older than fucking teenagers for sure. Like, <laughs> totally. I not no even the biggest, buffest dudes at my high school mm-hmm. never looked like that. No, and the ones that were buff were, were the 30s. jocks. Yeah, those guys were definitely in their thirties. I mean, it's yeah. always just been an ongoing thing, though. They always have, like, these 28 to 32-year-olds playing all these high schoolers. <laughs> you don't want to traumatize, like, teenagers with, like, fucking, like, the Hollywood industry, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? Like, but it's, like, I, I'm totally cool with them, like, using older, like, actors. But still, yeah. it's, like, yeah, that super hot bully. Like, there's no way he's, like, 17. Like, I was, like... Uh, the son of John Travolta and Glenn Danzig. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> he was like, he totally he's pretty hot. <laughs> but, uh, but no, uh, the movie also is like that, it, you know, you can almost say there's also kind of that drugs aspect, like analogy. Or oh, metaphor, yeah, the drug addiction. Okay. Where yeah. like, his thing with the car and becoming cool but also becoming an asshole mm-hmm. is sort of like when somebody gets into drugs like to make themselves cool but like they're doing coke or whatever and then the drug makes them into an asshole and also I want to point out the weird kind of connection with this it, this movie also has connections with those movies those teen movies where there's the unpopular person yeah. and then the cool person is like I'm going to transform you and make you popular. Oh, yeah. And then they become popular and cool, but then they become an asshole where Mm -hmm. it goes too far, you know? Uh, I mean, there's a whole... That's like its own 80s genre. I've seen them all, too. Yeah. Yeah. Even obscure ones, like, uh, I mean, Just One of the Boys. Remember that movie where the girl dresses up like the guy? Oh, yeah. Yep. but you know, it, it's kind of that. But with the with Christine, with the car, it is like the car is like I'm gonna make you cool, but also you're gonna become an ass. You know, I'm gonna make you kind of become a bad person. Well, but, sure, but like having, uh, I'll tell you what, honestly, and I don't know if you get this, John, um, or if you get this, uh, Glenn, or if you get this, Holly, but like having something to focus on. Other than your own perceived, well, for lack of a better term, lameness, like it, it's it it is somehow very empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, totally, it, totally, he found like yeah, like his thing that he was into, for sure. No, definitely. Yeah, and and which doesn't like automatically turn obviously turn a person into an asshole. But it can make them cool and have people think they're cool because then all of a like sudden... Like a horror podcast? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but this, this I think, is a piece of why Stephen King, and then to an extent, um, a little bit... I like I love zombie movies, obviously. Grindhouse Zombie, you guys know that. Um, I think I think George Romero was good at this, too, like being ahead of his time. And I think this story, it, it kind of tells you how being super focused on the thing that you find joy in or the thing that you think that defines you can turn you into an asshole. Um, because we see it every day. We see it every day. People that just go out on a limb and are like, I'm going to do this. And people are just like, Oh boy, well, no, there you overstepped. But 
And I don't know if it's a function of people trying to be popular or trying to be cool or trying to do whatever it is that they're trying to do, but it happens all the time. Um, and I mean, podcasting, honestly, that's one of those things. I mean, let's face it. We're trying to be heard and we're trying to be cool, right? I mean, that, that's a piece of it. I'm not trying to be Okay. Well, okay. So, uh, your honor, the prosecution. Um, I know exactly. Uh, yeah. This is how you become so. an asshole. <laughs> it's not about getting self-esteem. It's about lowering your esteem for others. Uh-huh. Thank God they don't have a collar to pop right now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, but you, to your point, though, Sabi. Uh, it's, it's this is something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and I've distilled it because pe- people talk about this in terms of different hobbies and different things. But it's the idea of the pro- the problem is making your personality all about one thing. Right. That's yes. when you become annoying because it's like it's cool to be the car person who's like into cars and fixing up cars, but if that's like all you ever talk about and all you ever do in your whole life centers around And you're waiting in every conversation so that you can chime in with some car stuff. Yeah, then people are going to be like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's here's the perfect example with that. Going back to my coworker, the, the Saturn boy, as we call him. <laughs> it definitely got to that point where it's like, it's like, oh my God, Smitty, look at the uh, look, look at this Saturn that I'm looking at. I'm like, I don't fucking care, dude. <laughs> like, but it's like, but it's a limited edition, and I'm like, fine, show me. And then I would Better throw his phone. Next time you show me something. Uh, but then, like, fast forward, like a year or so down the line or whatever, and then he found another obsession, and then he's been like buying a lot of like records. Like online through like Facebook Marketplace or or whatever, so he's been getting into more like trading and selling and whatnot. And I'm like, well, I would much rather talk to you about music just in general than listen to you talking about fucking Saturns all day. So, well, Good for I, him or them, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, they, them, she, her, whatever else. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if this is a woman um, or a man or I don't know. But I think. But I think, honestly, I think that's a big piece of life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a, a big piece of life is struggling or not, maybe not struggling, but like working towards finding out who you are. Um, and I think, I think, uh, I think T, you're right. I think for that particular person, it can be annoying when they hit <laughs> you with the same thing over and over and over again. Um, but I think those are also the people that are struggling because, mm-hmm. you know, like, I know everybody here has got probably five or 10 hobbies, things mm-hmm. that we do. Like, you know, I know that both T and I like collect horror nerd shit. Totally cool. You know, and we talk about it. Okay. I also like cars. I also like woodworking. I also like 3d printing. I like all these things, but it's the hard part with a lot of these, these uh, like early eighties horror movies is that they paint people as being very one dimensional oh, and how, how being one dimensional is inherently evil. And I don't think that's necessarily the case, um, but they do a good job of like milking it for what it's worth. When you find, and I think, I think T said it, an obsession. When you have an obsession and it's all oh, you yeah. can talk about. No, this definitely has that 
thing. The drug addiction thing you were talking about, right? Or but, no? but, oh, but I was going to agree with uh, what Zombie was saying about the uh, this movie and, like, 80s movies being super, like, uh, caricature. Kind oh, of, yeah, absolutely. Where everyone is, like, in a specific single role, you know? The bullies. The two-dimensional people yeah. interacting with each other. Like, I, I have so, I have such a low tolerance now, and I'm so glad they don't do this anymore, but the bully characters in this movie, those, like, bully characters where it's like, this person is a bully. Mm-hmm. Like, literally their entire personality, their entire life is centered around the fact that they are a high school bully. Like, nobody in, in real life really exists like yeah. that. And it's just, like, those types of characters, especially the bully ones, it's just like, oh, it's so... Oh, it gets oh. a little bit old and annoying. I'm fine with it in this in these movies that already exist, like yeah. Christine. But it's just like, thank God they still don't use that trope of yeah. just the... This, is, this person has one personality trait, and that's to bully other people, you know? I mean, they may kind of exist in real life, but really, you know, they, they're they more, you know, to con- connect to another movie we had watched before, the uh, the one about the, uh, the tree woman, the woman who was like a tree spirit, uh, the, mm. the 90s movie. Remember? Yeah, I know the one we're, you're talking about, but I can't remember but the name of it. That movie That was cheese movie. Remember that movie has the scene where uh, those the bullies, bullies appear yeah. out of nowhere and attack the lady, the baby, trying to like yeah. attack her, and it's just like, it's just like, what the fuck? Like these these people who ex- literally exist to be one tiny little thing, you know, in a story. Sorry, I had to rant about it. But no, no, I think, right. John, I. Th- I think you're right, but I also I, I also would respectfully disagree that these people actually do exist, um, and these people, but a lot of them are driven by anger Math. over something. They just are. No, they're just well. And I'm 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 gonna be nice and just say anger over something. And the reality of like in our story here, Buddy Repperton, right? He's physically large. He's physically imposing. He's charismatic as hell. He really is. But in the end, he's he's nothing. He he would make a great used car salesman in his like a real life, right? That's what he would be able to do. Um, but so I, I I think like like for people like me, like I encountered this guy in high school. I did. I encountered this guy, and the reality is now this guy, he's probably working some shit job, barely getting by, whatever else, and. I'm doing what I'm doing and I feel a lot better about myself than I'm sure he does about himself. But in the end, it's like people that come from a place of just like anger and hate and all that. Cause there's a lot of that happening now. There's a lot of anger and hate in the world. Um, I think one of the things that this movie says, and this is why I think Stephen King was a bit, of, a bit ahead of his time is that coming from that standpoint, ultimately amounts to nothing. You don't get anything out of it. Maybe you win a battle, but you never win the war. Um, and that's uh, for a lot of Stephen King stories. That's kind of what I like about them is it's like you can be a fucking prick and an asshole and do whatever else, but you're never actually going to get ahead. You're just going to keep losing. You know, it's just, yeah. you know. <laughs> Nowadays, that guy is probably washing dishes at an Applebee's. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably. And probably still has the same sweet hair and uh, uh, <laughs> Lamb shop sideburns. He mm-hmm. probably does, but he's yeah, probably definitely. still watching. Yep. 
<laughs> With a hairnet on. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, just so, elbow deep in the suds. Oh, yes. Elbow deep. <laughs> so isn't it around this time in the movie where the guy, the friend, I'm forgetting his name, Artie's friend, tries to have a talk with him and say, you got to mellow out. You're kind of becoming too crazy. Uh, well, we kind of yeah, skipped a whole bunch of stuff, oh. and I realized that we're really kind of behind in this whole thing. <laughs> but we have the machine shop scene. We go through that. Buddy Repperton has his knife, and he he, he calls the, the shop teacher the little bald fuck. Something yeah. about that I just love. Um, but then they're in the car, and they're in... So, but or not, not buddy. Um, Arnie's glasses are broken and they're taped together in the middle, and they're driving home. And he's like, "So altogether, not a bad first day." Um, and that's when he finally sees Christine. Um, and that first shot, I it like again. Sorry that I'm gonna one dimensionalize myself here, but as a car guy, that first shot. Oh my god! Like that would happen. I, I can't say it would. It has happened to me. It's totally happened to me. Where like I see a car and it's just like oh my god I have to have it, you know, <laughs> and it's so I don't know it's so it's so beautiful and you have this old army veteran guy with his back brace on and it's all fucking sweaty and nasty and whatever else but just seeing that car the first time oh Jesus Christ I just I I love that opening scene where they just they see the car the first time and he's like. They're looking at the car and they're like, like they look at the odometer and it's like the mileage and whatever else. And they're making the deal, the quote unquote deal. And that's where, and, and that's where Roland D. LeBay in this movie says, you know, it's like, and don't be bringing her back here. Cause I'm selling this shithole and buying me a condo. I just, you know, and then they drag it over to Darnell's garage. Um, and we first meet Darnell and this character, he is so enigmatic and just so lively. And again, in the book plays a much, much larger role. Even the, even the drive from LeBay's house to the garage is a much bigger scene. They get a flat tire in, in front of some like, again, blue collar rednecks house and that the blue collar redneck, the kids come out and they're giving him shit and, and and uh, Dennis has to go and buy a tire for Arnie, and just there's so much detail and so much just awesomeness. But they kind of pass by that. Um, but getting to Darnell's garage, and he he has the uh, the line of uh, you know basically you know shut that mechanical asshole off. Oh, I <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and then you know Arnie has the big the big fight with his parents when he brings the car up to the house. Um, and this is where I think Arnie really starts becoming his own person. He starts to, he starts to figure out that maybe he's got something to fight for. Um, and he talks about how his parents always want him to do all these things. Um, and he, he's in a democracy because it's three, it's, there's three of them. He always tends to lose in this democracy. Um, and it's, it's, it's so fun to watch it because again, as a kid growing up in, for the most part, an intact family up to a certain point. Um, like I got it. Like if it was something I wanted to do, it's like, well, no, we don't think you should. 
you know, so I, I definitely feel that vibe. Um, but then again, getting back to Darnell's garage and in the book, in the book, the bay that the car gets put into is the same bay that the car was in originally when the guy was just trying to quote unquote, keep it running, you know, cause it was for, it was for families that were trying to put bread on the table, not kids that wanted to go drag racing on Saturday night. So if it wasn't exact in the book, if it wasn't exactly haunted originally, it was like sentient on its own in the story. Yes. Like, it yes. basically had its own sentience. It wasn't possessed by a person exactly. Yeah, there is a chapter in the book where they talk about um a bunch of this guy's friends wanted to fuck with him at a bar, so they all went out and they lifted the bu- the rear bumper of the car off the ground so he couldn't go anywhere and the car magically had all-wheel drive and still <laughs> still was able to take off. <laughs> so the book uh, the the car has been a semi-sentient creature, like from the get-go. Yep. I think it's definitely, you know, that thing of, especially with cars, where we kind of make them, we kind of anthropomorphize them, Mm -hmm. and we give them names, and especially if you work on the car yourself and Mm -hmm. fix it up, and this happens with other things besides cars, too, you start to have more of a connection to it, and you start to sort of embody it with like qualities of like a person or like a living thing, you know? Like She's I, temperamental, but she'll start up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we always, growing oh. up, we had, uh, the cars had names. Mm-hmm. We had a, yeah. a 60s VW van that was named Wolfgang. Ah, that's really funny. And, that's uh, perfect. And, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, you kind of come to, they take on personalities, especially because cars all have quirks and weird things about them. So they kind of take, become, they kind of have their own personalities. So I guess this story in a lot of ways is kind of, even the book is kind of that concept of, like, mm-hmm. you know, the car takes on its own life and its own personality just mm-hmm. because it becomes, yeah, especially because it's a custom yeah. job. You know, it's not a, a straight up, assembly line car even as you mentioned in the story where the guy orders custom colors mm-hmm. and things for it off the assembly line so it has its own personality right away from the beginning oh absolutely when, when my car's working when it's just doing what it's supposed to do i definitely call it glenn and when it won't start i call it holly so, um yeah it's but yeah that's a that's a very it's a very throwback way of of like thinking about things john and i think it's awesome because i definitely grew up in an era with a dad who was a a blue collar mechanic who you had to give your car a name Mm -hmm. and you had to you had to talk nice to it when it was doing what you wanted and when it wasn't you had to to call it out as the whore that it was (laughs) you just did like you dirty bitch why aren't you starting you know that was like that was a very normal thing in my household Mm -hmm. i can't i don't know why this dirty bitch won't start it's it's like, still an ongoing theme here. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. You know, just gonna sweet talk it a little, and maybe we'll actually listen. Uh, I won't listen. Oh, no. <laughs> go well, fuck yourself. We're not going anywhere. Uh, well, it, well, in in my current world, if you make dinner and you vacuum a little bit, Carl start all day long. So that's actually um, very true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, so popping ahead, and then and then we get after after we have um, <laughs> dropped off our Darnells. We have the big fight at Arnie's parents' house. We pop actually pop back to the garage, and you have Darnell and his little weird sidekick in the overalls, and they're, they're kind of they're talking about the card, how Arnie's been working on it, and they talk about how cockeyed he works, and he's like. And he puts brand new windshield wipers on a busted windshield, you know? <laughs> and again, this is a place in the book where they talk about how the car is, is being repaired or being restored, but Arnie doesn't remember doing a lot of it. And a lot of it is sitting in the, in the, in the driver's seat and turning the radio on and just zoning out. And then when he's done, the car's better than it was before. So it, 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 it's not even a little subtly telling you that he isn't doing much and the car's just fixing itself, but it gives him that place where he gets to go off to a little bit of a dreamland and he gets to feel like he did something. Um, and this is a, this is a little bit of the piece where you can do something for nothing kind of comes in to me. Like it's not, it's like, did I do something? Well, probably because I can see the result, but it's like, did you actually? And it's, I don't know. Well, yeah. I, and that raises a good point because it's like, uh, you know, in the movie, not I haven't read the book in a long time. I can't remember the book, but uh, in the movie, the implication, of course, is that he is restoring the car and fixing it up. Mm -hmm. But we see, yep. you know, after that, the, after the car gets bashed up the first it time, fix it itself. fixes itself, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. able to restore itself back to perfect condition, which does sort of interestingly raise some issues where it's like, you know, as you were saying, you know, is he actually restoring the car? Is the car fixing itself? But it sort of does raise the question that I'm just thinking of now, where the car basically just sat in that abandoned lot in a state of disrepair for many years when like it could have been maybe potentially fixing itself. Without any lore, we don't know for sure because potentially there could be some sort of symbiotic thing going on that it needs. Like maybe like he's it feeding needs... off of Arnie exactly. to fix itself. Or she, I should say. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, metaphorically, metaphorically, what the car needs is love. Yeah. And, and just yeah. and just undying attention. Someone yeah, to, to take care of it. Which, of yep. course, it is a jealous relationship. They have the car and Artie have a jealous and toxic relationship where they're both super into each other, mm -hmm. but they also will get revenge on each other and hurt each other if, you know, things don't go their way. Exactly. Exactly. So what is that a metaphor for? Rel it's relationships. And, yes, exactly whatever. right. Exactly right. Yeah, so. is his girlfriend and... But also she gets jealous, of course, when Artie is more interested with, in yeah. the girl and starts to hang out with the girl more. Although not yes. sure why, since he barely paid attention to her. <laughs> uh, I know, he was well, clearly always into Christine uh, the whole time anyways. So. <laughs> what well, is exactly supposed to like screw on Christine anyway? You know? I don't know. Christine isn't one for yeah, shared Steve, custody. But still. <laughs> the, <laughs> I did bring up the, the cussy. Did I, I, like, I brought that up? That? In the, but I never explained it. What is that? Uh, it's a hilarious thing I learned about where... It's like putting uh, a flashlight in the in the gas tank. So, like, well, in, you know the cars. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, so. I keep trying to 
talking about two different things. So, so I have to explain. There's this thing called Cussy, C-U-S-S-Y. And it's in the Cars movie universe, the Pixar Cars movies. Oh my God, John, what have you been watching? So this is internet. This is like... This Don't, is like yeah, the internet is I mean, I'm pretty sure I know where this is going, but proceed. And so... The Cars movie have a hardcore following of weird people that are into the concept of sex yeah. with cars. Yeah. And so the... the, the hardcore. Is the theoretical... If these are uh-huh. cars that are anthropomorphic... Okay. Should and then... Where the fuck? Yeah, exactly. And so... There, the idea that there are people who are ter- fetishized cars and want to fuck cars. So where's where is it? Which titanium? Oh. And where's the penis? By the way, we never talk about exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Titanium, <laughs> <laughs> the French movie, which we considered doing for this uh, uh-huh. one. I still haven't watched it yet. I haven't, but I haven't cars. watched it. Oh. But I think I think Artie <laughs> maybe thought about. I'm sure Artie thought about whether he could. Had sex car. with yeah. Christine. He thought about it for sure. I mean, there's always like you <laughs> he know. Tried to, he was trying to think if he could pull it off, but he was like, I don't. Think you I know, he could always just bang between the sea cushions. I guess I don't know. It is leather. Well, <laughs> I mean, well, well, yeah, but ultimately, if if you break this movie down, it's a it's about obsession, right? And like I know, like I'd there's talk a, about <laughs> no, I know, I know. There's a there's a there's a very very solid like car culture here in Minnesota, um, and there's people that do some <laughs> insane things. Now I know I know that I know for a fact that there was a guy here in Minnesota that recreated the Lightning McQueen car, like like recreated it like oh, yeah. all the way. And then I also know that later he went to jail for some fairly unsavory things. So. I think that like speaks to what obsession does to you. And I think that like, like to what John was talking about earlier about being like one dimensional and only having one thing. I think that's, I mean, this movie is really what that is about and what it can do to your life. If you decide to be fairly one dimensional and just only focus on one thing. There's a Pixar movie about that too. But... Which, which one? I think it's called soul. Oh no, the is it the one where it's like the emotion, like the girls. No, this is the one where there is a jazz. Oh, uh, the jazz musician who dies. Who dies yeah. and like yeah. Right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then yep, you get yep. in like the zone, and the zone is basically you losing yourself to your obsession and mm-hmm. and how it can take you out of life and out of being alive. And let's not get into that though. Let's move on. But Christine. yeah, no, but it, yeah, it's like the <laughs> it, it's like hobbies yes. and things can have can be really positive obviously but right. they can take a negative turn if you become too obsessive, obsessed with yeah. your hobby to where it becomes unhealthy in your own and you're not taking care of the relationships in your life right right, right. Okay. other things are suffering well exactly yes have your hobbies give them their time but at the same time you know what masturbating once a day totally fine 12 times not good Okay. <laughs> you, you have to, uh, well, well, if it depends on how you define work, Holly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it um, is work. But I mean, but <laughs> I well, I think though, I. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a lot of double A batteries. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're doing it 12 okay. times a day, it's basically clockwork at that point. Yeah. Right? plugs into the wall. <laughs> okay. Well, rechargeable. Good on you, Holly. You. Um, no, but I think that, you know, ultimately this, I mean, if, if you break this shit down, it's, it's really about, you know, making sure that you find some balance in your life. Right. And, um, balance is a hard thing because you, you want to give what gives back to you. Um, <coughs> and, but then I, I think you also don't get to a place where you understand that sometimes what you're get what you're giving back might not be as good as you think it is. It seems to be very in the now and very like it just happened and things are great, but it doesn't give you a lot to think about or a lot to do anything with. Right. I mean, I think about, and this is going to sound dumb, but I think about, I think about podcasting and what it gives back to my life. Right. And the reality is I could get super obsessed and I could just do all these things and just mm. be constantly in the, in the zone. But there's a reality here for me, a, like a real reality. I've made some good friends, you three. Okay. I love talking to you guys. I love having fun. But like when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be excited to see what T does with this and how he, if he does any editing. And I'm going to be, <laughs> editing. I, what's I it? <laughs> I, 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 I know, I know. Edmund, what's that shit? Yeah. Um, but at the same, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy listening to it, and it's gonna be fun. But then I'm gonna go on to the next thing, and the mm -hmm. next thing might be work, or it might be making sandwiches for lunch, or it might be taking my dog out to take a shit. So, <laughs> but, but like, this movie emphasizes, I think, people that can't get on to that next thing. They just, they are incapable of separating themselves from whatever that last fulfilling thing is, and, um it's a big piece of why I love it because even up, I mean, we're skipping so much of the movie, but even up to the last scene of the movie, it gives you that little nugget of like, guess what? It's not over, you know? And I think that's where people struggle. People don't ever struggle to put one thing on a shelf and go on to the next thing and be okay with that. And, but I also think that these things, and I've said it before, these things right here are what don't let us do that. Mm -hmm. We're so distracted and so not focused um, on things that are important to us and like, like actually important. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it sounds dumb, but it's like, I would much rather sit and talk with you guys. And then like tomorrow, if one of you was like, Hey, this day is sucking or whatever else be like, Oh shit. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that it's sucking. You know, mm -hmm. what can I do? versus i'm sorry don't have time for that i have to go on to my next roller coaster ride you know um and i think this movie is a good metaphor for that yeah absolutely i mean yeah. we're talking about addiction you know yeah yeah i've recently started i haven't addiction. downloaded tiktok no. but those little shorts that are, are in every social media platform or social mm -hmm. network whatever like you could lose five hours just looking yes. at little two second shits like mm -hmm. oh my god that's insane yeah. And I, I don't know how to stop it. It's the uh, touch grass concept where you have to... Uh, go outside. You have to stop and go outside and, and touch do some something grass. Uh, Eat some grass at the end. Always. Yeah. Always. You know how like, I did it today? You know how I did it today? This is going to sound super dumb. How, how I touched grass today? I went into my garage. I got an orange Home Depot bucket. And I went outside and I picked up sticks. <laughs> and I... 
And no, I know it sounds dumb. I know that. No, it doesn't sound dumb at all. I think it sounds nice. But but I picked up sticks for over an hour and I filled my bucket and I took them over to the fire pit and I poured it out and I went back and I filled up my bucket again. Mm -hmm. It's it's getting back to that that real actual physical life as opposed to the tangential shit that we think is actual real life. Um, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's just what I do. I like for me, I like to be outside, but it's really easy to be distracted and to not go outside because you're spending five hours at the bottom of a, a YouTube or a TikTok oh, hellhole. But I mean, just to disconnect, to just pull a plug, pull a plug, get a bucket, go outside and do something. It's so simple, but people... The only time I left the house today was to go buy a bottle of wine for today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for completely shooting down my entire monologue. <laughs> no! I, much, look, I don't have a yard. I wouldn't much, I would love to have a yard. Your, your shit's much better. I'm uh, complaining. I'm, I'm saying that I haven't touched grass today. <laughs> and weed doesn't count. <laughs> 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 getting out and going for a walk which is what I did to the corner store to get this really cheap bottle of wine that I paid too much for <laughs> but no like that's I, I'm agreeing with you it's just that holy shit you know like it's so easy to like uh, lose so many precious minutes of our fucking life which is gonna end way too soon on doing bullshit and we should really be out like you know yep. having a better experience right no I get it well, again, though, again, why uh, why Stephen King was way ahead of his time, like he saw this coming, like he made a movie. He made a movie about being super obsessed and about losing yourself, and in the end, not knowing what happened and ultimately not being accountable for what happened. That's what this movie is. I do have a question about Christine. What part in the in the review are we at in terms of? <laughs> <scenes>? <laughs> Because I have one really big question about the ending. So I don't know if we don't, should they save it? Or are we talking about I mean, we can definitely, I mean, we should definitely talk, skip, or jump to, obviously, the uh, when the car repair. That's a huge scene. When the car repairs itself? That was pretty cool. Which is pretty awesome. Oh, yes. The show me. Oh God, it is God, it is hypersexual. It is. I mean, it is. I, yeah. If I, if I, okay. To be perfectly honest, if I had that car in a garage somewhere, I would masturbate on the hood. <laughs> I would looking for the casino because it just. <laughs> There'd be a flashlight. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I would put a towel down because I want to fuck the paint up. Oh, but I would. I would. <laughs> Yeah, I would whack it all over there. Um, I don't want to get any oil on the fucking thing. Well, well, of course. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't have to clay bar every single day. Come on. Um, <laughs> but Three it, transmissions but it, full of semen. <laughs> well, I uh, yeah, I'm not gonna touch that one. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like going, like, like trying to propel the movie, like the movie forward, because we're, I, this is my fault again. I'm sorry, I'm here. I'm, I'm making a mistake. I mean, no, it's I'm fine. Talk, I'm talking too much because that's what I do. Um, but yeah, going through all of the different iterations of the car, the car repairing itself, going to the football game, and at the football game, that's where you have Buddy Repperton and all of his thugs. Um, what are his thugs' names? Um, Oh shit! Goon one, goon two, 
and they're well, yeah, it. it's it's kind of that, but I mean, but you have most of those you have are, are definite that guys, that we, guy. yeah, well, you have you have Rich, Moochie, and Vandenberg that are all part of like the the sort of core, um, like thug group, we'll call them. Um, and they get to that point where they trash the car, and then and now Christine and, and the trashing of the car is so there's a way that it's like it's super beautiful because they go to the garage to get Christine. Um, and Arnie is squeezing like squeezes Lee's hand so hard, she's like, Oh my god, whatever else. And then you see the car, and the car is fucked. Oh. It is eight shades of fucked. Um and that's when he uses again the term the shitters, you know, get out of your shit. This is what you want. Um, but then he's gonna go back and he's gonna he's gonna like bring the car back to life. And and as he's talking to it, he's kind of stroking the fender and just kind of being in there. Like he hears this, he hears these like pocking sounds like this, and he sees one of the one of the tri-barrel carb covers is perfect, and he's like, and he walks out in front of it and just goes, show me. <laughs> and to Holly's point, that is a hypersexual moment it's because hot. between the lights illuminating Arnie's faces mm-hmm. or faces, face, <laughs> and then just you know, the tires inflate, the car comes back, you have the mirrors that pop back in, like everything is just perfect. I mean, it is it, it's like the best sexual high school thing that you could ever have it's like it's prom night it's basically mm-hmm. prom night like i finally got laid and oh my god she was only a little bit of a whore but it was awesome um but it gives you everything um but then going forward from there when we are now in full-on revenge mode and we have moochie that gets cut in half in the little alleyway um, and we have the the bet one of the best lines in the movie where it's like, isn't that what you're supposed to do with shit? Scrape it up with a little shovel. Um, but then we have Buddy Repperton and his buddies driving around. And another interesting thing, this is not at all what happens in the movie when everybody buys it. Everybody buys it like on a lone like forest road at a national park, and they oh. break through they break through a gate, they're drinking devil driver, they're just having a good time. The gas station thing does happen, but it's with a very smaller set of characters. Um, but still, and then you get flaming Christine driving through the night. Oh my God. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Just, just the flames, not driving too fast, not driving too slow, just the flames coming off. Oh, just makes me so happy. I am glad they did that in the movie though. That was very cool. Um, I, it's, I mean, the book, you know, version sounds really great, but I was actually really uh, happy with how they dispensed with the bullies in the movie. Like, I thought that was, I don't know, it was inventive. It was, I mean, like when uh, when that guy gets, uh, when the guy hides in that little, uh, what is that, like the loading dock thing, mm-hmm. yeah. where that's a little bit too narrow for the car, and oh, Christine yeah. doesn't give a fuck. Chris, you just like, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. I don't care about my, you know, like, yeah, you know, I will push yeah. myself a little bit and damage myself yeah. a little bit, but I will fucking murder you. And incidentally, like, you know, it's so funny when you mentioned that uh, when the car restores itself in front of Artie, how sexual it is, and I mentioned that too, um, I also thought the, 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 the opposite for when the bullies trash the car too. 
it's very like the he have a really sincere sense of violation that even though it's a car, you can you can almost see it as like a human being. Mm-hmm. Of course, because we've already been doing that the yep. whole movie. It's Christine, and like the way that they're just tearing into her, and you're like, this is a violation. This is horrible, right? Mm-hmm. This True. is like this extreme. This is an, yeah, an extreme assault, and yep. um, which I mean, I've mentioned this before in some of the other movies that we've done too. The uh, the carnage being carnage. Sorry, I got a cold. Not a cold. It's a allergies. Uh, the carnage being represented in in mechanical form, and how visceral it can be, and what a really good way it, and the different really good ways that it's been done in the movies that we've reviewed. Christine does a beautiful thing about it. You know, like it's just you can really put yourself in in the car's shoes in terms of like the way that it's being torn apart, and then when it restores itself, you feel so you know. You feel so grateful about it too, and like you know, overcoming that, that like you know that you know that that assault that we just talked about. So, in a, in a and again in a very sexual way, like it's it's really creative filmmaking, creative writing. You know, like it's it's really special. Like the movie's <coughs> fucking good, and uh, when we're dispatching the bullies, that was great too. Especially like when we were talking. We can skip over. We you don't have to skip over, but just for the second, skip over the whole blowing up of the. The petrol station. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm British. Um, <laughs> the gas station. <laughs> I don't know why I say petrol. Anyway, so they're blowing up the gas couple, station. Couple of glasses of wine and she's British. <laughs> I like it. So, uh, but then, of course, just Christine going down the fucking road, like, you know, deserted road, uh, no lights, it's all dark, and just her on fucking fire. <laughs> oh, that It's cool. it's pretty insanely cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... it's uh, I think the movie like hits so many good notes. We've been talking a lot about like, oh well, they did this and it was annoying. They did this and it was annoying, but then the movie really hits a lot of really good notes. It's an undeniable classic. So I'm glad that we we get a chance to say it on on a podcast. Yeah. And yeah, this is glass glass number two. This is this movie definitely has like a uh, nostalgic. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid. Which is when, when when this movie came out. It was a pretty big hit. It was, yeah. And it definitely I, it has that memory, that nostalgic memory for me, where it feels like an actual. And we haven't even talked about the fact that it Christine communicates in oldies. Oh, whenever, yeah, yeah. whenever she wants to say mm-hmm. something to somebody, like she puts on a, a song from like you know the the fifties and sixties. Like Bumblebee from Transformers. <laughs> That's what uh, he does. Wonder where that was stolen from. Yep. I know. Yeah. Seriously. Yep. The car. Yep. It, I mean, <laughs> I, and the thing is, Christine, I mean, Christine is probably a Decepticon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Totally. totally. Yep. She's, she, she's a Decepticon that's in hiding and won't reveal herself. Mm-hmm. But she's evil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, no, hell no. Yeah, because if there was a call for the Autobots to roll out, Christine would be like, <laughs> fuck that. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Definitely one of the evil ones, yes. for sure. But, uh, but no, you would have to, in today's movie terms, Christine would basically be a Transformer. <laughs> Although she never transforms, but... She Only she transforms heat. from, like, a, a heat into yeah, beauty, so that's pretty herself. cool. Yeah, exactly. That's like a, a, like that's a teen, teen girl montage, though. Mm. Like. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so, okay, so, I mean, going back to the, uh, the, the, uh, the hunting down of the bullies, which is honestly my favorite part, because it's, 
so satisfying, you know? Mm. So I talked about the one that gets like, you know, rammed into in the loading dock, in the too narrow loading dock. Mm. And then we got the one that, we didn't talk about the one who's at that gas station that blows up eventually, but mm. he works well, there, a, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of them there mm. though. That's where that's where Buddy Repperton comes flying in here and there's like, there's some asshole that's following me. Yeah, and pretty much everybody gets it there. I like, Doesn't one like, of them, like, but one runs away, right? And he's on foot? Repperton, Repperton. Yeah, yep. okay. Yeah. She's John Travolta. Like, John Travolta runs away. And I'm yep. full on just calling her she now. This is a person, mm-hmm. this is a woman, and she's pissed. Yes, so then she, I like, agree runs with that. And how do, what does, in the, I'm already forgetting what happens in the end in terms of already Big ending. Okay, so uh, oh. after uh, being on fire and everything, she goes back to the garage, right? Yeah. Now at this point, uh, oh, yeah, Dennis and the girl and Baywatch. Dennis and Baywatch is have she been talking. Yeah, she was on with the really short hair. Oh yeah. Super tiny pixie cut brunette. Mm-hmm. She was like the, the the manager too. Like mm-hmm. she was a boss. Ish. Always in a bathing suit though. But they come up with a plan to destroy. Right. Christine. So they have a plan to destroy Christine. And also, like, they spark a little bit of romance because it's high school and everybody wants to fuck everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And they get the big uh, construction vehicle that's yes. going to uh, crush Christine and use yes, the, uh, but, well, the and that's the that's, that's the beauty of the ending of this movie because in the book, in, in the book, the big construction vehicle, you know what it is? It's a septic tank sucker. That's what it is. <laughs> and it's called Petunia. That's what it's called. It's called Petunia. <laughs> and that's how they destroy Christine in the end. The, with a, with a, and, and I quote, a caca sucker. That's what it does. It's a caca sucker. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like how yeah. in the movie they used the uh, the um, scoop thing to, to clamp down onto the back of Christine and, and grab onto the back. So that she couldn't keep like oh, she was trying to run over, over. yeah, mm-hmm. yep, and they, and they yep. needed to like kind of grab onto <laughs> her back end and hold her in place, which was cool, and then like drive over mm-hmm. her back and crush her. But of course, I mean, you know, of course, like, the ending the ending is not surprising in terms of, you know, it's like when not to jump ahead too much, but when they crush her into a cube. Yeah, know, they eventually kind of defeat her because of coup. It's like, you know, they imply that she's going to fix herself, which is kind of like no shit. You know, eventually, yeah. she's even though she's in a cube, she's going to be able to restore herself and, and eventually get back to the normal shape. Yeah, well, and then, and and here we go back to the back to the original story, the book. So, in in the book, Arnie is never there. He's never there during um, the ending. Correct. Yeah. In, in in the book, his his father is found dead at home, and then his mother um, and he are on the road to do some college visit, and they die in a horrible car accident. Um, Wait. Oh. Okay. Yes. I I am from I'm familiar enough with this book. Trust me that I can speak. To no. This. No. No. I never oh. read it. I'm not challenging you. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then. Happening. Okay. Like so. Yeah. They just die. Wait, Artie and other people just die randomly in another car. Unrelated. <laughs> yes, in a car accident. Yep. Yeah. In, so wait, Artie in, in as the... well, not just his parents, because then I was like, why did his parents? Go so to yeah. So what? Arnie's Arnie's father is killed at home, presumably run over by a car in the driveway, 
and then he but and not his, Christine or is it Christine? You know, well, it's it's implied. It's implied as Christine. Okay. And then he and his mother are going on a college visit because his his parents are super focused on him going to college. And then they die in a car accident, like in a snowstorm, and they die. Maybe caused by Christine. Uh, well, I, I, it's not so much of a cosplay thing, but in the story, in the book, there are three people in the car when the car crashes, but they only find two bodies. So make of that what you will. Um, and then in the in the garage where they're at, it's basically the ghost of Roland E. LeBay. That's who it is. Oh. Um, yeah. And then they, they try to further the story a little bit more about there's a story somewhere like in California where somebody who works at a drive-in or some damn thing like gets run over and it's like so this guy's ghost can pop from car to car well the theory the theory is that 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 another car was made from the scrap of Christine like the, the actual scrap metal like another car was made and Christine is still alive yeah so does Artie live in the movie he doesn't die no in the movie no, he that's dies. the question so my big yep. question is that uh, in the movie, uh, we got Dennis, we got Baywatch, and they got, like, their plan to take down Christine. Christine, <coughs> excuse me, rolls into the garage, starts attacking them, right? Already oh, no, she was the already car. there. She was already huh? there. She was hiding. She <laughs> oh, was shit, hiding. okay. Yep. I saw it a month ago. So she's there. Um, <laughs> Artie's in the car, and uh, she's attacking, but Artie's in the car, so you, you don't get a sense... There's no, I don't remember the movie making a point of saying that Artie was against attacking Dennis and Baywatch. So I think he was kind of into it because fuck everybody else but Christine. So my big question is that at the very end, before they get Christine, Christine crashes into the office where Baywatch yep. is hiding. Mm -hmm. And Artie comes out the fucking like windshield mm -hmm. dead. Yeah. And then he's not dead. He's not dead. He, he comes out of the windshield and he has a big sliver of glass in his chest and he pulls the sliver of glass out and just he kind of goes that uh, mm -hmm. and, he, <laughs> and, and he puts it down. And then as he's dying and as Christine's headlights are fading, he basically touches the front like, uh, well, number one, so, thank you for explaining so the very beautiful out. ending of Artie. Secondly, he's <laughs> dead. He's dead. <laughs> At the end. At the end. So he's my dead. question is, yes. so Christine comes out and continues to rampage. Why does she let him die? Could she not like force a seatbelt across his body to save him from the crash? Yeah, true, true. Why? Well, because she, well, well, because she can't control it. It's it's much like her going to shit in the first place. How she rusted and whatever else, she can't control it. Once the I person, I would rather think, unless there's something else in the book about it, I would rather think that um, she's rampaging, that she's not even aware that she's killing the person she loves. Yeah. But it, but you can't show a car crying on TV because. The censors just won't allow it. <laughs> no, no. In the end, in the end, the person, the person that fell in love with her, has, has died again. So now she let she, him die. Oh, uh, that's hit or miss. That's hit or miss. He I'm only gonna... died because she decided to ram into that little office to get Baywatch. If she hadn't decided well, but... to get Baywatch, he wouldn't have flown through the window. Well, but that's the whole thing. That's a dichotomy, though. Is 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 he forced to die because of his love for Lee or because of his love for the car? And they don't ever really say. And then once he's out the front window and he's dying, like he's literally dying, he he, he like I said, he strokes the front of the car 
And for me, that tells me that he loves the car more. So the yeah. car has oh, yeah. a little bit of impetus to keep going. So the car's like, okay, fuck it. I'm Why didn't she get that impetus to not let him die? Oh, but whatever, whatever. She definitely yeah. He died of narrative disease because he had to die. <laughs> exactly. Exactly car. right. Exactly right. Fuck yeah, the Baywatch. Yeah, the Baywatch girl. Because he uh, he's put more time in with the car than with the Yeah, girl. he's put zero in time with fucking Baywatch. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't she? She's fucking Baywatch. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So he would definitely die for the car and be in on the car's side more than mm-hmm. <laughs> So maybe now he gets to live in spirit inside of the car. Mm-hmm. He could possess the car now. And maybe she can play more current music. Like eighties. <laughs> I mean he's either gonna possess a car or he's he's just gonna live in the cussy all the time, you know. It's one of the two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah, like but with the ending though, like I really like the fact that like, you know, initially, you know, you had the bulldozer coming in and <laughs> you know, they're damaging Christine, but Christine is constantly like repairing herself. Uh, yeah, you know, cool. regardless of like how much he's getting uh, struck at the time, uh, but you just kind of like get to the point where the damage just continues to pile up so much to the point where you know you don't have like those regenerative uh, purposes for Christine. It's almost like the end of the Terminator, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like yeah. they're trying to rip the thing apart and finally destroy it, but it's just impossible because it's like it's a machine and you can't. And just people never die. You know, it's like it's gonna keep coming. Keep it'll keep coming after you. <laughs> like what's that speech in Terminator? Uh, but um, but yeah, no, it's kind of like that in Terminator where they keep trying to destroy it, but it keeps repairing itself and mm. keeps like going, and they just can't stop it. But eventually, they do. When they push it into the thing, the the crusher that makes yeah, it, right? They they make her into a cube, yeah. Well, yeah, they have that that super awesome scene where <laughs> he keeps driving the bulldozer over, and keeps driving, and then then you have that like they cut, and it's like dry junkyard just boom, down comes that block. But then yeah, they have yeah. the what I think is one of the best lines in the movie, but also I think the epitome of the early '80s, where you have someone like because they're sitting there and they hear music, right? And the music has been synonymous with Christine and her like pissed off moods through the entire movie. And it's a junkyard worker with a boom box on his, on his shoulder. And then you have the greatest line, God, I hate rock and roll. And then <laughs> they zoom in and you can see that little piece of the grill <laughs> flexing just a little bit, you know, of like it, it sort of had sequel written all over it, but didn't quite get there. And the classic rock connection with the the fifties and the car and the yeah and mm-hmm. everything and that was really big in the seventies too where the whole fifties revival was really mm-hmm. popular yeah well, yeah. and the eighties yep. too I mean like yeah, fucking like 80s, uh, yeah. happy days like mm-hmm. shit like totally. it's, in fact I remember when I was a kid like that was I remember that being such a huge thing you know like mm-hmm. just the 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 bopping like fifties and shit. Well, yeah, the end, of, the end of the '70s, the early '80s, when people wanted to murder, <laughs> disc, murder disco with a shovel, right? So that's what they wanted to do. And so this was, this was kind of it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. but God, I hate rock and roll. I just, I, it's just a great line. But yeah, no, it, Christine's solid movie. Pretty great. It, it's a movie that I always, and we haven't talked about this a lot, and I always sort of forget that this is a John Carpenter movie because. Mm-hmm. 
weirdly doesn't feel like a John Carpenter movie mm. in a lot of ways, but it does. Certain things about it are very Car- John Carpenter, but but it's easy to forget that this is a Carpenter movie. You know, it's yeah, because I mean, well, you got like you know Stephen King's name attached mm-hmm. to it, so it's so <laughs> Stephen King. But it's so interesting how like the greatest Stephen King adaptation is the one is one of is one of the stories that he is one of the movies that he hates, which is like The Shining, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and so what I'm trying to get at is that it's so... For a writer to be happy with a movie about his work, it would have to include all of the nuance, which is impossible. Mm. And like the, the, the adaptations that Stephen King has really loved, for example, about The Shining, are the ones that are very half-baked, mm. but they include all of his nuance. Like, uh, I'm talking about The Shining, the TV series from Sci-Fi, it was, yeah. he loved it, and or he liked it. Uh, and it's not a bad adaptation, but it doesn't compare to the fucking movie with the acting and like the fuck, mm-hmm. it's, a, and, and Cooper just being a fucking genius. But it's just, uh, they're two different animals, right? So it's so interesting to, uh, it, they're just two different animals, right? Like the yeah. writing versus the, the, the adaptations and. Uh, the movie versus the book. So it's interesting that whenever you see movies and you attribute them to Stephen King, where it's like, well, it's. It's going to be completely different. It really should be the director's sort of work. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm, it, that's, it's a half-baked idea on my part because I haven't really no, thought about I, it too much. No, Holly, I think... Wine. Yeah. No, I think, you're, I think you're completely right, Holly. But here's, like, as a lifelong Stephen King fan, here's how I will break it down. Stephen King was a guy who never felt sure in his own skin. He always, he always felt like he had something to say but couldn't say it. And, and he always felt put upon. And if you look at his best stories, his best stories, that is a core, a core uh, message in every single one of them. And I don't think Christine's any different. Ooh, misery. What about misery? Is does the movie Misery uh, reflect the the book Misery well enough? Uh, no. <laughs> but they never will, right? It's impossible. Yeah. It's you impossible. can't tell. Like, it's, impossible. it's impossible. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's impossible. Especially because um, Stephen King books and stories are always so much inside the characters' heads. Yeah. That, and you're always he- seeing what the characters are thinking in his stories that you mm. can't, it's hard to translate that to movies. Why well, do I watch those Well, no, exactly right. And I think that's why people always think that Stephen King stories are bloated. <laughs> but the, the reality of that, that inner monologue that he, that he has that people accuse him of being bloated, that's where I live. So I get it. So, yeah. It, yeah, for for this movie, for Misery, for for It, although the first It movie, fantastic, the second one sucked. Um, so many of his stories, like even like the, the the latest edition of The Stand, where they did it, was it on Paramount or whatever? Um, no, I didn't one? watch that. Yeah, Ooh, I watched the, the old new one. one. Came out a few years ago, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that wasn't super good. It wasn't super good. Um, and yeah. It wasn't super good because it didn't get me inside my head. Yeah. And with this with this movie, Christine, Christine got me back inside my head. And that's where I love to be when it comes to Stephen King. I, I love to be inside my head. Um, yeah, I but, think the other problem with Stephen King adaptations, too, is that they a lot of them would require, like, really big budgets. Like, it would, uh, yeah. To well, do like, right, like, I mean. Like uh, like yeah, that. like it exactly. Although I'll say with it, this might be an unpopular take, but the TV oh. 
show version with uh, with um, what's his name? Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Ah, I love him. Yep. And then the movie version. Oh, I scared you, cat. Sorry. I'm gonna say that the the first half of the TV version and the first half of the movie are good because the first half of the book is good and the second halves are bad in the movies because the second half of the it book is not that great either. Uh, All right. I, I really John, believe, John, you're fired. <laughs> I really feel no. like the childhood <laughs> aspect of the story, the first half is really great. And then the adult part, the second half is like, eh. <laughs> you know, that's it. Well, but there's a reason. There's a reason because when you think about your life and you think about the best times and whatever else, you go back to your childhood. Mm -hmm. Even if they were painful, they were still the best and easiest times. Because you didn't have to work for a living. That's true, actually. Well, that's a that's a piece of it, definitely. (laughs) But that's where that's where things were better because I get that piece of it. And Um, everything ahead of you was potential. Well, yeah, and potential. Now it's just oh, for a lot of us. A lot of us. I mean, obviously obviously John unfulfilled potential. Um, but, but I mean, that's the, that's like, that's the brutal part of Stephen King's stories is that he makes you face yourself. He makes you face yourself and he makes you face what your demons are. And he puts you in a position where you have to choose, you know? And like, for me, Christine was in a place where you had to choose. Am I going to be good? or Am I going to be bad? Am I going to put everything I have into this? Or am I going to continue to live my life and give this thing a little splinter of myself. But that's every Stephen King story. You're either all, right, so, all in or all out. <laughs> Hi, kitty cat. All right, before before we wrap it up, I want to ask, I mean, Key, have you read a lot of uh, Stephen King? No, I, I've not, actually. I don't read a ton. I haven't read any. Yeah, I haven't read any either. Oh, wait, I think we might see an asshole. Hey, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm nope. counting it. Drink time. <laughs> Clink. <laughs> Cat's asshole. <laughs> okay, so, um, John, zombie... In your opinion, what is the best written horror Stephen King novel that he that he's got? Because like I know he's got some book. other, yeah, his best book. Because I mean, like I know he's got like you know Shawshank Redemption and and Green Mile, but like those are like more like drama. I, I want to like horror. Like, what is the best horror book that I should? If I'm gonna read Stephen King, what should it be? Man, I my favorite Stephen King is not horror. My favorite Stephen King is the Dark Tower series. Which I'm a huge fan of. It's not horror. No, it's it's like it's fantasy. It's fantasy. It's, it's basically like Lord. Okay, of the is Rings. it a thousand pages though? Yeah. Oh it's like no, nine, no no it's like like nine. no. <laughs> yeah. Next next. Yeah. So if you I want read to. A thousand pages since I was in high school. All right, sorry. It. How is my cat making my screen scroll? That's interesting. Um, <laughs> it depends on what you want, and and I'll tell you this from horror. a strictly. From a strictly okay, from a strictly horror standpoint, um, mm, probably it. It is probably the okay. it, it is probably the best book. If you want a digestible story, um, I would say look at the Hodges trilogy. Look at that, um, Mister Merce- Mercedes, Finders Keepers, End of Watch. Fucking phenomenal books. Fucking Can you phenomenal put that books. In, like the the Discord because I'm not gonna remember much of. Tonight. Yes, <laughs> yes, I will do that. Also, I will do the, that just for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The Shining mm-hmm. book is really good. I heard it was good, but yeah. I wanted to take you guys' recommendation. I I found because books never really creep me out. Horror books usually don't like actually bother me, but the 
chapter about, you know, in the movie, the chapter that centers around when Danny goes to the room where the old Yeah, the big horror, uh, you know, highlight, yeah. That chapter is genuinely creepy and scary in the book. It's really good. But yeah, that's a good one to read for horror. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm I'm going more from the perspective of finding um likable characters. Mm-hmm. Um and with the Hodges trilogy, um, they do two things. Um, they make you and I'm thinking about myself slash John here, but they, they give you a late fifties, early sixties guy who feels like he's sort of washed up and has nothing to provide and he is ends up providing something, which is awesome. They also give you a character um, who is uh, middle-aged um, and always misunderstood, whatever else. And that, that character's name is Holly Gibney. She's absolutely fucking awesome. But then they also bring in like a little bit of youth. Um, and there's a character named Jerome who is just absolutely awesome. But they don't be, they're not shy about playing on um, a little bit of cultural expectation, let's call it. Um and so the characters are just phenomenal. And then after that series is done, when he goes out and writes um, a, a, a book called The Outsider, which was actually turned into a series. The book was way better, but the book's always way better. Um, and then they bring that character back. And then even in a later book, um, he brings the character back again. So I, it, if you want something that's like maybe more, what's the word, digestible, yeah, start with Mr. Mercedes and go from there and then follow the character Holly Gibney because she's awesome. Okay, thank you very much. You I got it. I, I put it in the Discord for you. I'm trying to read more. I used to read nonstop and then uh, I don't know what it was that I just stopped reading altogether. Uh, the, the 21st century <laughs> because I'm I, I'm guilty of it too. Mm-hmm. I, I read yeah. most of my books through Audible. Mm-hmm. I still do find some time to sit down and, and turn some pages, but I'm, I'm guilty of it too because it's easier to read when you're you I know? was an English lit major. Like I did this like as for four years nonstop, and then like okay, somehow. So you like, literally have no excuse. They <laughs> have none. Wow. Okay. When I have book club, but that just means what? I read like two books a year because we don't meet that often. Yeah, but when we've come to a place in society where our English lit majors don't even read anymore, we're totally fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I spent five hours looking at little like. 10 second like video like it's insane i'm mm-hmm. so upset we're, with myself and yet that's all i want to do right now i wish i was in bed looking at fucking tiktok were they at least in english i mean they weren't they, they weren't in chinese just saying okay oh right well i want to say tiktoks i don't literally mean tiktoks because i don't even have the app but those little videos have already like facebook has them instagram app yeah it's like reels and shorts and whatnot exactly. yeah so i actually have yeah. tiktoks on tiktok but i've seen the 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 equivalent or the the copied versions on mm-hmm. the other platforms. Well, it's so simple because we're so we're so drawn out and we're so, we're all so tired and we all want easy satisfaction. Um, the reality is, if you want if you want some sustenance, watch a movie, and if you want some real sustenance, find the book that that movie was based on and read that. Mm-hmm. That will yeah. give it to you. So what and we it, need is to touch grass, a home cooked hot meal. And read a book. <laughs> damn right. God damn right. I couldn't have said it better. That's fucking perfect. Yep. That's it. We need it. We need it. Mm-hmm. And maybe actual sex with a person, not like, you know, something not plugged into car. the wall. 
Well, <laughs> don't fuck Christine. Go fight somebody. <laughs> well, okay. So what we've heard here is have a have a good home cooked meal, read a book, and don't get head on hit head on by a fifty eight Plymouth Fury because that bumper will go Rats. all the way in. Rats. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. At, grass is underrated. I completely well, not not well. Nah, shit. Um, <laughs> Green grass that grows in my lawn is underrated. Yes, you should go outside and you should touch it. Yeah. Well, I, it's shit. It's okay. I mm-hmm. I'm just gonna stop. Yep. Go outside, touch grass, and then smoke grass. You know, that's that's basically all you need to do. Yeah, touch and smoke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then go go inside and unplug your jackhammer and go to town. Yeah. <laughs> but. I'm gonna jerk my butt. <laughs> <and shit. laughs> Somebody's busted. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's anyway, like videos of me being too drunk on the internet now. Like, is this oh. crazy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. You drink more than me. Like, that's no. That's right. about the same that I drink. Actually. Well, define define too many and being too drunk because I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> So the movie Christine, what do we all think? Is it? It's great. Yeah, yeah. I would agree too. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's very nostalgic for me because like that was the first Stephen King movie that I actually saw. Oh no! Shit. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was Christine, and then I saw Cujo after that. Those were my first two. Oh wow! So that was a interesting step up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And remember, in the book Cujo, the kid dies. <laughs> right? Huh? I. Uh, <laughs> So now he's so, yeah. Okay. Don't ever, don't ever think that mainstream Hollywood is not looking out for you. Mm-hmm. I will say that uh, <clears throat> for every good Stephen King adaptation, there's one that's just gonna screw you right in the ass. Uh, not that that's a bad thing if it's right, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But uh, for every Shining or Christine or Overdrive, there's a Langole- Langoliers. Oh, Langoliers. Oh, my God. Langoliers or Tommyknockers. Every also. time I yes. watch the Langoliers. Oh. And I feel like I watch this because I used to have a sci-fi channel, but I don't anymore. Yeah, but that, I used, it was a sci-fi original. Yeah, I used to watch it, not, not on purpose, because, you know, it would be like, oh, it's a, it's a Stephen King adaptation. Oh, yeah, I want to watch it. I love Stephen King. And I would always forget about it because it's kind of a boring movie until the very end when it's a horrible movie. And it's like, oh, okay. So I would put it on. It's gotten me three times in my lifetime. I'm 41 years old. Three times, three different times in my lifetime. I've watched it from beginning to end, forgetting that I'd already watched it. <laughs> and it wasn't until like the horrible fucking sci-fi, the horrible, I'm sorry, the, the horrible CGI at the very end mm-hmm. with the fucking like horrible stupid monsters going up to the fucking stupid plane that I, re- that I realized, oh my God, I've seen this before. It sucked before, <laughs> and I trauma erased it from my fucking brain. Well, it's actually not that bad for that. Like, I bet it's not. It's just the story was good. The story was good. Yeah, the adaptation was not. Well, yeah. you, got, you got to remember something though, Holly. In the end, we're all salmon swimming upstream, and you can't be you, you can't be judged too harshly if you take the bait every once in a while. I take that's the just, bait every time. That's just what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. You know. And you're right. For every Green Mile or Shining or Shawshank. Shawshank or The Mist or Carrie 
or Christine or okay, well, most of them are good. But there are some, yeah, misery, it, not okay, it, chapter two. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's like a pair of comfortable slippers for the most part. You can put them on, they're going to be okay. But it, well, once in a while, other movies for the fact that I watched it three times and hated it three times, <laughs> <laughs> it just kept getting me. It just kept getting me. That one had Balky from uh, Perfect Strangers. Oh, yes. Yes, it did. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that's one that I can't fix and I won't apologize for, but I think the rest of them between the. You know what? I love movies. I think you guys know that, but I, I would also say that for a lot of this stuff, just Jesus Christ, go out and find the book first, because then at least you at least you can properly judge a movie after you've seen that. I'm just and, trying to get through the classics, you know, like there's so many fucking classics that it's just it's tough to get to the new shit. <sighs> well, you're talking- I'm a major, so I've got like now a couple of my fucking like, you know, I'm trying to read the fucking titles right now. Yeah, this is our, our our English lit major that uses her <laughs> books that uses her books to start a bonfire and keep herself warm at night. Um, Never, I've used the scotch yeah. first. Uh, well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. No, I just. Oh no, I'd use the the cookbooks and the self help ones for sure though. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing with good ideas. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There's way too many cookbooks in there. I never cook. Joe does all the cooking. Yeah, totally. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm only embarrassed about the ones that I just pointed out. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't own a self-help book. The, the closest thing I have is how, how to do your taxes right. That's the closest thing I have to self-help. So I, I yeah, I, but I, I sort of get it too. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, everybody in the world, watch the movie Christine, read the book because the book is better. Like every book is always better than every movie. Um, and just uh, you know what, go out, go out and, and and find some literature, find some fantasy, find some horror, and just Jesus Christ, just enjoy it while you do it. Don't judge it. Don't put it on TikTok. Don't put it on Instagram. Just let it get up in you and affect you because that's what it's always done for me. And you know what? I'm a perfectly well-adjusted human fucking being. So there you go. Right on. Uh, so looking ahead, is there any phobia in particular you guys want to tackle next? I know oh. we've thrown out a couple ideas before. I know one that we were kind of circling around was like fear of doctors. Fear oh. of doctors so we can finally science. talk about Dr. Giggles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> doctor That's, oh, those should be two different ones because I love mad scientists, but then also doctors are... I know they're the same vein, but we can we can draw it out. We can make two different phobias of them. There's there's definitely a lot of like medical base phobias that we could ease into this. Dirty instruments. Ooh, well, I'm definitely that's fucking scary. To figure out to get a reanimator in there too. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs. Oh, there you go. Talk about, about a time machine, right? Yeah. Sorry. But How another about, fear we were talking oh. about too was fear of he- the devil or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, we do did we do a fear of religion? Because I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to get into anybody's craw, but like, one of my favorite subgenres is uh, like religious based horror, like mm-hmm. delicious. Yep. Oh, <laughs> a, a, a particular nerve, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we do that already? 
No. We so did not. Oh, fear of that would be that would be super fun. Fear of religion, because there's about seventeen thousand movies we could pick from. Definitely. I heard the mm. nun wasn't that bad. I mean, nope. uh, I heard that the nun was the bad on some levels, but really good on like cinematography and on like some character development, but not what? on like what movie? What movie? The, the nun. Yeah, it's a really good it's, shit associated with it, but then some other stuff's like not so great. It's uh, I would uh, if if you want to see a movie that is heavy into religion and people that are of the the, the papacy, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. um, go and see the Pope's Exorcist. That oh, one was do that. Um, <laughs> that one was way better than it should have been. Russell Crowe was fucking oh, fantastic. Uh, he's always amazing. He, he is, but it was also fun, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It was fun. That's a newer movie, right? It yes. is. Yep. Just that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, yeah. I think I think once the dust settles on like, when, once we're halfway through 2023 and people start watching, like going back and watching movies again, mm -hmm. this movie is gonna it, it's gonna rise in the ranks. Okay. It was it was really good. It was really awesome. good. Yep. All right. Okay, well, since so maybe we could wrap it up. Since since those two are pretty it's, close for like fear of the devil and fear of religion, let's just do let's do religion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do. Oh, that means we can do possession from 1981. Oh shit. Yeah. Dude, so we'll man. do theophobia, which is the fear of religion, and we'll do doctors after that. Zombie, so means... do you want to come back for a possession? Oh yeah, absolute possession. Shit yeah, yeah. I, you know me. I'm gonna come back here anytime you guys invite me. I am, <laughs> or I, or anytime you're like, I'll be there tomorrow. That too. Yes. So much. It's so crazy. It's so Sam Neil. Yes, come Sam on. Mm -hmm. Oh God, yes, yes. It is. Well, one hey, of those uh, perfect movies. All things being equal, there, T. I can also take an honest oh. fuck off to heart. So don't. <laughs> <That's>, okay. Taking a drink. What you doing? What are you doing? Huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Come here, come here. Hey, no. just, yeah. Yeah, just, just make it easy. There we go. You know, <laughs> okay. I was trying to. Okay, so I poured myself a tall drink before the show, and I said to myself, "I'm only gonna drink this drink, and then I have water. I had a seltzer that I drank, and then I got drunk again. I'm sorry." Okay. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> I had a really long day. I've been, I've been like heavy, heavy allergies for the last mm -hmm. like four days. It's been awful. In fact, I bought Claritin D, but I've been too afraid to take it because I know it's going to keep me up for two days because it's basically speed. <laughs> so, so what I'm, what I'm hearing is that ultimately Holly doesn't want that D. Okay, mm -hmm. well, good enough. Yeah. Nobody wants that D. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like pizza, right? Yeah, even, even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, on that note, Zavi, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you again for joining us here tonight. Uh, on hand to Whiskey, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, good to get some insight on the books, because obviously, like, that's not, like, something that we're as well versed in, and I know you're a huge Stephen King fan. 
I, I am. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny <clears throat> watching a lot of these movies that I think are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing all the details from the books, it's like, there are so many movements from like the book, Christine, that like are so well done and so well written and just give you so much more insight into the character. And then honestly, to know how much the movie has changed from the book, just because honestly of time and brevity, they just had to like get to the fucking point. Right. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Stephen King is always going to be, I think I've said it before. I would lick the sweat from his 80 year old nuts. I would, I, <laughs> I love Stephen King. I love Stephen King. Um, I waited in line for autographs. I waited in line for, to listen to him give speeches mm. Uh, and you know what? I'm perfectly okay with that. So and he has two corgis, the oh, sweetest dog. He does. He does. Yep. Nice. He does. Evil yep. thing one, evil thing two. <laughs> yes, and they have their own Instagram. So check that out. Oh, I gotta get that. Shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then you could also scroll through all the reels on there. <laughs> <laughs> Five hours wasted. Yes. <laughs> two days. Later. Yeah, there's a SpongeBob bean in there somewhere. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I so, lost, like, seriously, yeah. so much time the last couple of weeks. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, let's wrap this shit up. We got. Let's hold on. Yeah. So we'll we'll do our short list for the movies for uh, next month here in the next couple of days. Uh, but we're not gonna pick anything out just yet. We'll let you guys know Perfect. over on social media. I don't even know who's got the first pick. To be honest, I'll have to look. I don't have to be first, but I really want that movie to, to I, No, I mean, absolutely. We're definitely yeah. going to be doing that one for sure, 100%. Yeah, I think we should Rochambeau for it. And then, just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll go last. I'll go last. Wow, <laughs> how, how noble of you. <laughs> well, I like my nuts where they are. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That didn't make any sense. I'm sorry. I think that joke back. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, so just as a reminder, we've been streaming Twisted Tuesday every Tuesday night over on Kick starting at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. It'll be at kick.com slash Trimley Drunk. Uh, we've been having a good time with that, getting more people involved. And uh, yeah, it's been a pretty good time over over on Kick and Integral, the channel. And uh, definitely more accessible for everyone, which has been nice yeah. as well, just because, you know, we ran into a couple of pickups with cast in regards to it being a private lobby and people having to like request to join. And then sometimes it not going through things like that. Kick is a lot easier and you could download the app or watch it on your PC, laptop, whatever. Um, but yeah, join us there every Tuesday. We'll be on there. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of hand of Whisker. Again, we are presented by the session case podcast network, and we'll be back uh, throughout the entirety of the month talking about the fear of religion But for now, guys, you take care.